Welcome to the GGTMC Top 30 Films of 2015. Hello, minions. You know how cute we always thought you were. Life's the same. I'm moving in stereo. Thirty films, uh, yeah, of twenty fourteen, yeah. <laughs> so, oh yeah, I always love the doing the uh, wacky intros because Will doesn't know what's gonna happen. So, <laughs> the only thing I do know is that I'm gonna have to put my pants and shirt back on. Now. Yes, or maybe I don't. I mean, it really wouldn't be any different any other week. But. Yes, exactly. <laughs> we have finally reached the uh, the the crescendo, of basically, of the show this uh, this year and. Uh, it has been quite a year. It has been a wacky year. It's been a wacky couple of last like last month. Mm-hmm. But um, once again, here we are, top thirty films and uh, our year end show. And also, as we always say, is another really good year for film uh, because we had to do some cutting and slicing and dicing 
to get to where we needed to be. So uh, I know Will had to do some serious butchering, and I had to do some pretty good stuff, pretty good cuts myself. So there's a couple of them I'm still kind of got off to the side because I'm wondering if I should slide them in. So oh yeah, oh, same here. So there, there we go. Um, but yeah, that's it. I mean, there's not really much I'll say. I want to say thank you for your patience for waiting for the show to come. Uh, thank you for all the support. Thank you for all the great things. Thank you for being a part of the group, and thank you for downloading the show. I know Will feels the same way. We do this for a great year. Yeah, it's been a great year, and 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 we love doing this, and it's uh, something to look forward to for all the hectic craziness that goes on in our personal life sometimes with work and and family and all. I mean, some of it's good, some of it's bad, but you know, it's it's still hectic either way. Um, these these couple of hours a week <laughs> that we just get to talk like a couple of guys and people actually listen to it is still very therapeutic and uh still feels really great so i don't know if you want to say anything to everybody for the year so you've kind of summarized i think quite nicely uh but as is usually the case i'll I'll ramble on for a moment i I just really yeah i think it's it's important to echo what you've said um we're very fortunate to have a a wonderful community of friends and like-minded people around us that allow the show to go on every week and inspire us to to get up when we're tired and do the show when we're sick and like I got a stomach bug right now you're you've just gotten over being sick um but it's wonderful that we've been able to be part of this uh and lead you know help to lead the charge with with the love of film so you know here's to 2015 being an even better year and uh and yeah I think it's uh, it's time to get into it here man yeah all right. Yeah, so we're going to make uh, one of our very favorite listeners and fellow podcasters super happy and start with our top 10. <laughs> and he knows who he is. He says he drives him crazy. But uh, this is the way we do it. And, you know, we want to get it out there. For me, personally, it's just very therapeutic to just get it over with. The top 10 is the toughest part of my list to make. Silver, oh, we do gold, silver, bronze. And we started that with kind of an Olympic year and it's kind of kind of carried over. So. Um, silver and bronze never really as tough for me. Maybe just movies being in the silver or the bronze. Maybe that's the toughest part of that. But that gold era, that stuff gets tough. I mean, it gets real tough. So the top of the gold's real tough, and the bottom of the bronze is real tough because the yeah. bottom of the bronze, there's always a few films that I'm like, you know, I, I, I am spending all this time pondering, like, at least gotta, do I get them on the list? It's almost like the 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 March Madness tournament. If you can get into the 64, at least you're in the dance. Yeah, you know, and there's some films I've left off that, like you, I've been kind of sitting here thinking, "Fuck, like, I feel kind of bad that they're not in the top 30." But I'm gonna once we're done the list, you know, time uh, allowing, I'm going to just quickly run through titles of another 30 films without even mentioning anything about them because it's been a tremendous year for film. I mean, there's been so many wonderful films that you and I had said, in all seriousness, you know, a, a second 30 would be worthy of a first 30. I mean, it was just. An unbelievable year. Yeah, I agree. I agree it was. All right. So without further ado, uh, I don't have any fancy sound effects. Uh, I guess I could find my horse somewhere or anything. Uh, maybe some Zom clips somewhere. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't have anything uh, fancy, but uh, drum roll, please. Let's get into it. Uh, you'll start with number 10. So here we go. All right. So number 10 is a film that I had meant to see at TIFF. Uh, it's a country that has a pretty good pre- a pretty good pedigree for me as far as new film. I've often talked about discovering their film from early on because I feel like they were really ahead of the curve from a technical and thematic standpoint. I know you're a fan, and I'm definitely going to try to dig into more of their films. 
this year. It's from Russia, and it's directed by Andre. Ooh, this is the first time I'm saying his name ooh. out loud. Andre Zvignitsev. <laughs> Dobre. Yeah, that's good. Uh, and that is uh, Leviathan. Amerikansky. Amerikansky. Yes. Uh, this film I saw maybe a month, month and a half ago. Like I said, I wanted to see it at TIFF, but some films that get really good buzz coming out of Cannes, people catch to, catch wind of it, and you know you don't get to see it. Um, but uh, what it's about is a Russian fisherman who is trying to fight some corruption uh, in his hometown. They're trying to seize his home, and the mayor of the town is absolutely corrupt. And I think it works well uh, as uh, kind of a metaphor for. Um, what life in Russia is like from from a Russian point of view, mm. from sort of a, an artist, uh, as it were. And, you know, we can't help as North Americans, but hear a lot of the stuff that's come out of Russia the past couple of years in the news, and it's just insane. And it's, uh, yeah, I mean, this film hits all the marks from a technical standpoint. It's beautifully shot. It's definitely one of the best shot films of the year. It's really well acted. And it takes some twists and turns that feel very organic um, it, without kind of feeling gimmicky. And it, it just kind of, you kind of get bowled over. Um, yeah, yeah. I think it conveys. I think it's a it's a universal, universally accessible film, but also very specifically Russian. Nice, nice. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to see that one. I wanted to see it because I am a fan. You would dig it for sure. Of uh, the guy with the name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, but uh, yeah, I wanted to check it out, and I'm pretty sure I will like it because I did like uh, the Return quite a bit. So, which is yeah, a tremendous film. Yeah, he's one of the uh, really kind of great filmmakers that nobody really. I mean, outside of maybe like film critics and maybe like full-time film buffs know about. And even then, I mean, you have to get into some pretty deep water because I know a lot of people that love movies quite deeply and they still don't know who he is. So, Yeah, he's a tremendous filmmaker, though. There's a whole world of uh, Russian filmmakers up and coming. But he's been around for a little while, but he's still not very – he's still got a lot of films left in him. So He does. All right. Um, all right, so my number 10 – is a uh, documentary. I'm trying to see how many documentaries I might have on my list this year. <laughs> Chris and I were talking about this last night. Oh, are you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I only have three. Three. So oh, only wow, I have more than you? Yeah, only 30% of my uh, list is uh, documentaries. Oh, wait, three of your top 10 or three, three of, of your top Three 30? of my top 10. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. I thought you meant top 30. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah. whoa. Okay, I, I don't have three of my top 30. Uh-huh. But okay. I have more than that in my top 30. <laughs> Hang on. I got uh, of the of my thirty or thir- of my thirty thirteen are documentaries, so almost fifty oh, percent wow. of my top thirty. So only five of mine are. Yeah, that's pretty good. Hey, rambling. Wanderers. <laughs> yeah, get rambling, wandering. What's something? <laughs> All right. So my number ten is a film. Uh, it, it, the release date was actually it. Well, it says twenty thirteen, but it actually came out last year. It was a film I wanted to see. Uh, it's a film called uh, The Punk Singer. It's uh, uh, a biography of uh, activist, musician, and cultural icon Kathleen Hanna. Um, she, very interesting uh, lady, I should say. I was going to say girl. Um, but uh, she is very interesting. And I don't want to get into too much detail in case anybody doesn't know about her personal life. She is married to uh, Ad Rock, the King Ad Rock. Oh, nice. Um, but she, you know, very... Very, very. I think she's beautiful, but I think she's also a beautiful person. She's very interesting, and she kind of pioneered that whole riot girl movement uh, for the '90s, kind of a kind of aggressive uh, female kind of punk rock type thing. It's it's really, really good. It's a great story of somebody kind of going through a transition in their life, and it's a uh, very interesting transition that you know people go through. And I, I don't want to say what it is for those who don't know, including you, because I don't think you've seen it. And I have not. 
Um, but it's the, you know, it's a type of thing where we might all have to deal with it at some point. So, you know, it's just, you know, that trans, it's one of those life transitions and they capture this moment really well. And, um, yeah, it's, it's really good. I got a little emotional watching it and quite enjoyed it. And, uh, uh, Ed Rocky's in there. He's, uh, He's a, obviously, you know, he's as we know, the King Ed Rock is a character a little bit because him is <laughs> himself. He's actually a very well spoken guy. So, and he's he, he has some really touching things to say as well about his wife. So, yeah, definitely check it out. It's a short documentary, eighty one minutes, but uh, yeah, it left a mark on me. So there you go. Very nice. My number nine is from a film from a filmmaker that. Um, I quite love, but some of the... We should say, in case people don't know, yes. and this may be the first time they've listened to one of our top 30 shows, Will and I have no idea what the other's going to pick. Correct. So Correct. Already, he's surprised me because I didn't know Leviathan was even going to crack the top 10. So Yes, and we should also say, just very quickly, the, way, the reason for us doing our top 30, 10 to 1, and then 21 to 30 is this. Um... It allows us to talk the longest about the films that we found to be the best in a year. And as we get further on, it allows us to self-edit. And if we have to short shift any films, at least it's the one at the back end. Yes. And it gives a little more kind of uh, suspense with the 10 because anything's still in play at this point. Yeah. So uh, my number nine is a film. It's a filmmaker that I, his work I quite love. I think he's one of the most distinct voices in American film. Some of the glitter came off that star for me, though, with his past film. His past film was one of my biggest disappointments, I think, last year or the year before. You and I openly pondered if we were even going to cram this film. Mm, yes. And I did, and I'm thrilled that I did, because Wes Anderson's Grand Budapest, Grand Budapest Hotel is my number nine for the year. Nice, nice. I tried to cram it, didn't get to it, but I'm, I'm happy you made your list. I'm happy you liked it. Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, it's really down and dirty and nasty in spots. <laughs> there's there's some really unbelievable things that happen. People lose fingers and there's murder and there's some, it's funny and it's one of the best look, again, great looking film, you know, impeccably designed, as is always the case with him. But I think one of my problems with Moonrise Kingdom was that he got too fixated on this kind of dollhouse uh, mentality and not enough kind of heart into the characters. It kind of became a bit of a kind of cliche, whereas Ray Fiennes and his relationship and this assortment of kind of uh, Anderson all-stars in this really knock it out of the park for me. And, and Tilda's great. I mean, there's so many great performances in this one, but Fiennes really, he puts in one of my favorite performances of the year. He's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't, I, I'll say this. I've watched 10 minutes of the movie and, uh, Unlike, uh, you know, the last uh, Wes Anderson film, the, this first 10 minutes has me intrigued. So I will be watching it. Yeah, I'd be very curious. I was I was wondering um, uh, if you got a chance to uh, what you, where it would have placed or if it placed. But, you know, it's great. And we all know it's uh, once you've seen it, you'll know that it's all about the society of the crossed keys. So. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Yeah. All right. My number nine is also from an American filmmaker who kind of has fallen off uh, for some people and uh, lately has had a return to form. I know who this is. And that is uh, Joe from David Gordon Green. Yes. I really like Joe. Um, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm one of the few people that's still a Nick Cage fan, even when he does awful stuff. But that wasn't really the reason why I love Joe. I love Joe because it really kind of captures that, that Southern you know, struggle, uh, quite well. Mud was a little bit more whimsical. Um, and I like mud quite a bit as we know, I know you did as well, but Joe felt a little bit more grounded in reality. 
And uh, I really think, uh, outside of the fact that, I mean, I guess the news of the film would be that Joe, the performance of Nicolas Cage is very laid back compared to what he's been doing or what he does when he does his other things. But also the direction's really good, and, and the, the faces in the film are great. There's uh, a gentleman in there that's not even an actor um, who did has a great performance as a, a father that's uh, both uh, terrifying and uh, uh, satisfying. I don't know what else to put it. I mean, I, I enjoyed watching his performance, although I thought, you know, he's an awful person, obviously. Um but you know the the work crew was great. The guy that was uh, the supervisor of the work crew, I loved him. Uh, oh yeah, the young boy. Uh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. What's his name again? Oh, Ty Sheridan, I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, who just you know he, knows how to pick him, man. Yeah, he's picked him. Uh, he's picked quite well uh, lately, it seems. Nichols, Malik, um, David Gordon Green. I mean, he's worked with three of the best American filmmakers of our time. Yep. Yep. And then it's funny because uh, some of those guys, you know, have some of those directors, those three directors, especially they share some similarities. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Big time. Yeah. So, you know, last year I really liked Prince Avalanche, uh, which was another kind of return to form for him. He had done at that at one point, you know, after Snow Angels, that was 2007, back when we kind of started this show a little bit. And uh, then he did Pineapple Express, Your Highness, The Sitter. You know, they did those three in a row, so everybody was kind of like, you know, and I like Pineapple Express. I didn't really like Your Highness. I, I enjoyed The Setter, but I would admit that it's not a great movie. But I thought Prince Avalanche was a little bit of a return to form, but Joe was a pleasant return to what I think he was accomplishing with George Washington and All the Real Girls and, and Undertow and Snow Angels in those films. And uh, Absolutely. I'm looking forward to Manglehorn, which comes out later this year, which is the Al Pacino film. So. One of our favorite titles, regardless of how the film <laughs> yeah, the turns mang- out. Yeah, the good old Manglehorn. Everybody, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so what's a mango horn? Is the difference between uh, is it how tight can you pull it? It's a, you know, yeah, but yeah, how, I, how strong the kung fu grip is, yeah. But it was a really good performance, uh, that, that centered the film. So I can't take away from Cage because he is really dialed back in this. He's got a nice beard, he's he's uh, not a good person, um, similar to the mud character. Um, he's not a Bad person. I think he's a realistic person. There's, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of fleshed out characters yeah. in this film. He has some issues and some and a bad past and demons. And, yeah, he's trying to get past it, and you know he sees this boy. And there's a great scene in the film where he sees something occur, and he thinks for a minute maybe he should do something, but instead he goes away because he doesn't want to get involved. But you know, then of course you know if you see the rest of the film, it, things did turn out differently. But I mean it, it, it really it really was touching. I thought and uh, very well made. Very well made. Great and a great closing song, too. Uh, I can't remember the name of the song, but the way it closed out was fantastic. So, yeah, Joe, number nine. Speaking of songs and films, uh, my next film uh, features a song that is probably pretty much, well, not probably, it certainly is the opposite uh, in terms of tone and and genre. Uh, It's featured at a very key moment in my number eight film, and uh, it's by Tommy Trash and Sebastian Ingrosso, and it's called Reload. And it's featured during a ridiculous um, rave montage uh, in, in, in a ski town uh, made by a Swedish filmmaker. And that is, of course, um, Force Majeure, Ruben Ostland. Ooh, did I lose the Sammy? No, you you didn't lose me. My son's having a hard time going to sleep tonight, and he came down here and he was really upset, and I had to turn down. And ah. he wants me to come up and lay down with him. So I'm uh, I'll talk to you about that if you get done talking. 
Um, do you want me to stop talking for a minute? No, go ahead. You know that David Gordon Green not share a birthday? I didn't know that. Oh, man, that's cool. I don't have too many cool people to share my name. Miss Elizabeth. and I got Hugh Hefner and man. David Gordon Green, so I'm doing pretty good, I think. You are doing very well. <laughs> but, um, yeah, reload. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. It's amazing. Yeah, uh, No, 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 do not apologize. Um, you had I'm to gonna, reload. <laughs> yeah, when night has become the day. Anyway, this film, um, I heard a lot of buzz, again, coming out of uh, Cannes, and it sets itself up to it's such an a dreadfully awkward premise in the best possible way for those that don't know about this film but a family they're on a ski trip very sort of upper middle class or you know lower upper class whatever you want to say they got some bucks they can go on ski trips and stuff and uh there is an organized avalanche that occurs and looks as if this avalanche is going to roll over the chalet where they're having lunch and the yeah. father bolts, leaves <laughs> yeah. his family on the terrace and runs off with his cell phone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, only for the snow to settle and awkwardness to ensue. Oh, yeah. It is sort of absurdist family drama. I think there's a lot of keen insight, as I said to you and you and I spoke about, into society's expectations of of man man's expectations of himself preconceived notions of masculinity and domestic roles um the modern family uh, this the back end of the film is there's a few final scenes at the back end that kind of show that what kind of a ridiculous beast man is i really really love this film again one of the best looking films of the year um yeah, so that's my number nine. Yeah, it is or number great, eight. Number eight. Yeah, it's a great looking movie, and uh, it didn't crack my top ten, but it. I will say it is in my silver, so it, nice. it is there. I did. I did quite love it. It. It is very good. I will own it too on the blue, oh, me too, man. baby blue because it is pretty. As it, you said, I you really love. We, we didn't talk. About, yeah, we didn't talk about because I had not finished it when the last time I talked to you about it. But I really like the ending as well. So I like the way I love the ending because I think it it. You think it could go one way, and it goes to show. I don't want to spoil it, yeah. But once you've seen it, I think it's it, it's it's it is a great ending. I think mm-hmm. it is a great ending, and and uh, again, it's kind of humorous in the end. You kind of yeah. Well, once you see it, I think you'll we can talk about people, but yeah, very very good stuff. Okay. All right. So yeah, definitely check out Force Majeure. My number eight is a film that I think you. Uh, Pretty much guaranteed, uh, maybe like if you was to hedge a bet, you pretty much guaranteed would have been in my top 10 this year. And because uh, I remember you mentioning something like that, a post that <laughs> you said, well, a film that I just know is going to be in Sammy's top 10 without him even seeing it yet. <laughs> but it is uh, Bennett Miller's Foxcatcher. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I quite love Foxcatcher. It was uh, very good. I understand the criticisms that, you know, some people who watch it, you know, might not like spending time with these characters never watching it again but i found all three of these characters fascinating absolutely i found uh channing tatum fascinating i found uh uh steve carell fascinating as uh john dupont and i should say channing tatum as mark schultz and but most especially mark ruffalo as david schultz who i absolutely adored and uh was uh really you know another reminder of how great mark ruffalo is for sure um and some of the things he can do but this is you know we we joke you know with Zom about Channing Tatum I'm kind of here nor there with him I like him when he's good when he's not so good I don't care but uh this was a really good performance by him and uh 
he should, you know, he should have probably been recognized in some way, shape, or form. I really like what he did with an underbite and some things like that. And and then Steve Carell, who I know that's who everybody was championing, and it is a great performance, no doubt. Um, the great performance from Steve Carell, I think, in that film is in the quiet moments. There's moments of quiet where you can just see that this guy is just, you know, there's nothing. There, he's just not quite right. Yeah, and uh, Carell really kind of pulls that off, and um, like most comedians, I think I think most comedians make really good actors, and I think you'll still see great performances out of Steve Carell going forward. And I'm glad he, you know, he tried and he went for it at this, and I think he did a really good job. There's some truly creepy scenes in this movie, and again, there's some very awkward scenes, like when he tries to put on a show um, because he talks very much about being a leader of men mm-hmm. when he's anything but, but because of his money. Um, he wields a lot of influence. And when his mother comes in the, the wrestling gym and he, he's trying to pretend that he's kind of running the yeah. the practice, it's yeah. so awkward. There's so many awkward. And there's so much about this film. One of the things I love about Bennett Miller is I feel like he, with this film, I think it's very understated. Yes. And he doesn't bang you over the head with anything. I think, I think the more you think about his films, the more you realize how much they resonate and how much he's saying without saying much on screen. Yeah. Yeah. He's a true talent. Uh, he's had uh, a couple documentary short or well, a documentary short and a documentary, which I haven't seen called the cruise, but his three fictional films are Capote, uh, Moneyball, and Foxcatcher. So, I mean, three for three, three for three in my opinion too. So, I mean, he's, uh, really nailing it and I'm looking forward to the next thing he does. Um, he's still relatively young, but um, yeah, he's got. I just think he's got a bright future ahead of him. And uh, yeah, what a film, man! I mean, it was it was everything I wanted it to be. Uh, a great character study and uh, a great payoff. I mean, I knew the. I, of course, I knew the ending, but um, not the way they tell the story and the way they work the story and stuff. Also, we get some really great, uh, some really great uh, '90s fashion from Channing Tatum at one point. I think. And, yeah. And that, that celebratory yeah. uh, John DuPont wrestling with his team moment, oh. unbearably uncomfortable. <laughs> so oh just, I was just like, oh, this is weird. <laughs> there are a lot of things being said and being being hinted at, but never in a way that forces you to interpret it that way. But I think it's really left to interpretation and, yeah, you know, some good uh, illusion. And, and it's and, a gorgeous film, too. I mean, it's more kind of insular than like your force majeure which is a lot of nature and stuff but there are some great shots in this and some great oh, there are yeah i like that there scene are, too when they're running and they're like yelling john DuPont, he's doing his target shooting you can tell he doesn't like to be bothered oh man yeah there's there's moments it's it, you're really waiting for the their shoe to drop with this film yep. you're kind of there's something that awful is gonna happen i'm glad you mentioned tatum and Ruf because I'm a big fan, as you know, both those guys and Carell. I mean, he, he deserves the press he's getting for this. But Ruffalo yeah. is one of these guys that's been working for, you know, 15, 20 years. And he has done a lot of great stuff. But he's kind of understated and very un- unassuming, I think, in real life. Very down to earth. And yeah, yeah. As a result, you know, he's not one of these guys that kind of talks about his craft. He'd rather just kind of talk about his favorite baseball team or his kids or something. You know, very relatable, every man. And I think it gets lost in the shovel that he is one of the better American actors working. He's a guy that anything he's doing for the most part, I tend to, to want to see. I agree. I agree. Grows a great beard too. He does grow a great beard, man. And I'll tell you <laughs> this film, I feel like too is 
Miller's commentary on America as a whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? There's a lot being said there, with, again, without banging you over the head. It should say a nice turn in the film, too, and a small turn by Anthony Michael Hall. A nice little turn in there. Yeah, right absolutely, man. I liked him in there. I've seen him on some television shows in the past like five years, and he's been dreadful. So it was nice to see him kind of you know, not chew up every bit of scenery and not seem like such a tool. It really it was to show it's the director, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it. You know, it. That, that's. I mean, well, like with Joe. I mean, you know, you get a director who handles an actor a certain way. I mean, all actors, in my opinion, if you can act, you're talented. So, but you know, if a director reins you in or lets you go, that's up to the director. So they do the best with what they got. But yeah, Foxcatcher, great film. Nice. And you were right. It did make my top ten. It did make my top five, but it did make my top ten. Rolling in at number eight. Very cool. Okay, my number seven is one that's on Netflix Instant. Um, I'll try, if I remember, to to mention if any of these films are. So people that want to play along can. Yeah. Um, yeah Joe's on there. We should say Joe. Joe and, yeah, Joe is Joe on there. and the punk singer. Both of my two of my two of my three are on there right now. You know what I'm going to do then, as we do this review, this show, <laughs> I'm going to keep my. Uh, I do. I do it every year. Every day you do your top ten, and then you do. I write down the ones that I haven't seen that you put in your top nice. ten. So. Okay, good. So I'm going to uh, add uh, the punk singer. You said it's called, right? Yeah, the punk singer. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Oh, yeah, man. I've seen this cover, and it got recommended to me. Yeah. They thought I'd give it, like, four and a half stars. So. Yeah, I think you will. Sammy loves it. Uh, I, Netflix thinks I'll dig it. So, okay, cool. Um, all right. So, yeah, <clears throat> this film's on Instant. And I think it's it was technically a 2013 film. But as is with a lot of films that come out of this country, they're kind of slow to trickle into North American um, uh, release, whether it's, you know, some art house stuff, some festival stuff. But it doesn't need a lot of home distribution uh, it's filmed from japan and it's a film from a filmmaker that i feel like and i was talking this, about this with cool cat last night i feel like understands kind of uh, much like his sort of forefather ozu did i feel like hirozaku koreeda really understands the human condition and family and he's very understated but so keen in his observation and it's a film like father like son hmm. that Man, I'll tell you what. If you saw this, I can promise you it it would have it would have had you in the robes. It's uh, it's tremendous. Basically, um, I'll re- I'll just synopsize it. Uh, Ryota Nonomiya is a successful businessman driven by money. When he learns that his biological son was switched with another child after birth, this is after six years of raising the child, mm. he must make a life changing decision and choose his true son or the boy he raised as his own. Wow, heavy stuff. Kind of like high and low. Well, no, not like high and low, but a little bit. There's some themes there. Well, the thing with this is it it really, I think, gets the core of what it means to be a parent yeah, um, yeah. and, you know, uh, loving someone. Um, you know, does blood, is it thicker than water? Does it trump all? I mean, th- what it means to be a parent um, and to have a relationship with, with, with a child. And it's, it's really good. I mean, it doesn't hit... You know, a film like this, again, we were talking about, could be very obvious and screechy and weepy and a lot of kind of melodrama. And rightfully so. I think the material would warrant it. But Craig never missteps into that. He handles it with kind of a, a class and quiet dignity and and looks at all sides of the, uh, the, the equation. And it's a really, really good film. And I'd be curious if you'd seen it. Uh, I'd be stunned if, if you didn't really, really dig it. Hopefully I'll see it one day. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They do, it does take a while sometimes for those films to roll out to the states. So hopefully, you know, like I say, with streaming services, some of the 
some of them really uh, look for that kind of stuff and kind of pick that stuff up. So hopefully over this next year, I saw a lot of uh, kind of nice paths made, inroads made to that kind of stuff. Oh, this yeah, year. And Netflix we'll really more. made a nice uh, – mm-hmm. they've added some really good festival stuff to their catalog. Yep. yep. Hopefully they'll be doing that more, and hopefully some of the other services will be doing the same. So um, could get you some subscribers, I can tell you that. I mean, that's the oh, yeah. way you got to think. All right, so my number seven, now the rubber starts to hit the road. <laughs> a film we actually differ on. Oh. oh. <laughs> um, but, yeah, this was a film that I watched. Uh, I expected good things. Um, I found great things for me. Um, really hit the notes I wanted it to hit. And nailed this author's kind of sensibilities. And that was Cold in July. Nice. 2014. Um yeah, I really enjoyed Cold in July. I liked it quite a bit. So I didn't think I was going to. It kind of started in a way that I thought, okay, this this kind of doesn't seem like uh, what I really want from this story. But it ended up being a very interesting story and uh, dealing with uh, fathers and sons again. And, um, you know, corruption, uh, things like that. Bad hairstyles for Michael C. Hall. Or amazing hairstyles. Oh, yeah, either way you want to look at it. Yeah. When I say bad, it doesn't mean bad, you know. So, yeah. Um, I really enjoyed the film. Uh, I thought it was uh, clever. I thought it was good. Um, it used the neon quite well. Um, I like the score. Um, I do admit, I do agree with you that Don Johnson comes in like a uh, like a uh, bag of hammers in a, in a china shop or something. But once that kind of decoy is dropped, I really enjoyed uh, Jim Bob. And, uh, yeah, I really had a good time with it, man. It, it, there are some, in, you know, inconsistencies in the story. I'll be the first one to tell you that I don't think this film is perfect in any way, shape, or form. But I did find it uh, very entertaining. And, uh, yeah, the performance is really great. And I think Jim Mickle, you know, I didn't check the the uh, remake he did. Um, of, uh, Nor did I. Or We Are What We Are. Yeah, We Are What We Are. I had to make sure I said it right. I didn't get around to that. And, you know, it's just because, you know, I'd seen We Are What We Are just, you know, a year or two ago. So I just don't. Yeah. Will I ever check it out? Maybe. But I'm not, I have no interest in it right now. Um, but, you know, I'm happy that he kind of went back to small filmmaking and tried something a little different. I've enjoyed um, almost, well, I mean, three of his four films I've seen. Mulberry Street, Stakeland, and Code in July. We Are What We Are is the only one I haven't seen. And I know you like Mulberry Street and Steak Line as well. Love it. And Mulberry Street's on instant now, I think. so. And it should be clear, even though Cold in July probably won't be in your top 10 or even your top 30. I know you did not despise it. You just no, had issues I with it. No, I did like it. Yeah, I just, I don't, I felt like, you know, generally when our community starts to really roll on a film, it's usually a pretty safe bet, you know, because we're all kind of like-minded to some degree. I, I would give it like a 7.25. I did quite like it. I just yeah, felt like yeah. there was too much fixation on... The era, you know, there's this thing to fetishize sort of synth and neon. I think we're all guilty of it to a degree, but I feel like Mickle's a filmmaker I expected him not to focus that as much on. And, yeah. You know, but still a good film. And, and a guy that's doing different things with each film. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. kind of, you know, kind of like a carpenter in some ways. I mean, not not to say he's as good as carpenter and no disrespect to Mickle either, but right. I like that he's not just sticking with horror. He's not like a an Adam Green or, uh, thank goodness for that, or uh, yeah. uh, what's his name, Eli Roth. He's kind of stretching his legs and trying different things. Yeah. You know, and then again, Green did as well, I guess, with a few of his films. But I like these getting out there and doing some different stuff. Yeah. I, I'm interested to see what he'll do. I know he's going to do a TV show, which is also based on uh, 
some Lansdale stuff, the Happen Leonard series, and uh, that'll probably be pretty good. Um, unfortunately, a lot of our really kind of, I think, creative voices are heading toward television because I think they feel like they have some more creative control there. And sadly and ironically, I feel like they'll almost get a better budget because yeah. someone I was talking with about Mickel's budgets, like they're ridiculously low. Him and James Wan, yeah, can they go into like the Bava school of stretching a dollar? Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know what the budget in Cone July was. It didn't make a whole lot of money. I think it only it's made about uh, about four hundred grand in the states. Oh man, that's cr- no pun intended. That's criminal. Yeah, but. Uh, Again, not not you got to think not a lot of star power there. I mean, for film buffs, sure, Don Johnson, Sam Shepard, Michael and Sam C. Shepard's Hall. had a nice little renaissance the past yeah. five or six years. Yeah, he's been he's great in Mud uh, last year or year before last. Yeah, I think it was last year. Mm-hmm. Um, he's always good. He's really good in this, playing this kind of uh, kind of foul character. But um, yeah, I mean, not a lot of star power in the movie. But uh, again, I mean, I did. I don't even know if it got released theatrically. Maybe it did on the coast, but I didn't. Uh, or in the big cities even, but not anywhere around here. Uh, first thing I saw of it, or even heard of it, was uh, uh, online streaming services, uh, rentals and stuff. So yeah, there you go. It's one of those. So kind of a shame. And you're right. I think these guys are going to get bigger budgets and they're going to get more creative control with these 10-part TV series. I mean, I think there's a reason why some of your uh, talented yet not super successful directors are going there. I mean, it's, that's right. It's an opportunity, and you know that doesn't mean it won't be good. I mean, I've seen some pretty good material so far for some directors that have went to uh, television, and I expect some good stuff from uh, from others. So I just hope that they still get to make films, and especially Mickle, uh, because you know he, like you say, he can stretch a dollar, and I hope he gets to keep making movies. I agree, and it's funny now. Kerry Fukunaga's got some clout to swing around after. Um True Detective. So yeah, and his film—he just did a film with Idris Elba, and it got picked up by Netflix. Well, there you go. And Net- yeah, Netflix—I really got to give it up to man. They're doing some really bringing it, man. They're not just getting all this kind of. I think they're they're understanding that a lot of their, their um, what's it called um, subscribership is film lovers. Yep. It's not just sort of the latest release types. And I know some uh, theaters are unhappy because they're going to actually distribute it and release it, and some theaters don't want to carry it because it's Netflix. But I mean, fuck, man. Get on the boat. I mean, I know it's a big corporation and all the other bullshit, but it's all corporations. Get on the fucking boat. Yeah. <laughs> fucking do it for the love of movies, not for the love of fucking selling a bag of popcorn. Oh, yeah. No, I know, man. Exactly. Yeah. That's just me on my high horse there, buddy. I'm with you, bud. <laughs> I'm with you. All right. Let's hear your number six. Number six, clickety-click, Barbara Trick. Number six is a sequel. Ooh. And th- this is one of those weird things where I feel like... I feel like this is a better film than the original. And the original is tremendous. Nice. I love the original. But I feel like the, the sequel somehow elevated that and was able to expand the universe. Um, it picks up right where the first one leaves off. It is, in my opinion, for my money, the, the gold standard for action film and martial arts films. It is uh, Gareth Evans' The Raid 2. Nice. Yeah, I mean, some people, they kind of thought, well, well, the acting's not very great, and I don't really care. And and it's like, man, come on. Like, the acting is more than serviceable. Um, The Indonesian Mike Malloy, Arifin Putra, is amazing. Um, (laughs) I love it. Oh, man, he's great. Alex Abad is wonderful as Bejo. Ike Uwe's character, we legitimately kind of care for him and his well-being. Uh, The stakes are raised. The world has expanded. Um, 
Gareth Evans shows that he can't just shoot martial arts. He can shoot action. There's, you know, car stuff. There's weapon stuff. The locales are expanded. It's, it's just a tremendous, tremendous accomplishment. And, uh, yeah, I can't say enough good things about it. I love this film so much. Nice, nice. Well, now I agree with you. Well, we might be talking about it again a little later. Nice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hard for me to disagree with you on that one. <laughs> Greatest mud fight scene in the history of cinema. Oh man! <laughs> it, to, to make to make chaos, to orchestrate chaos and make it seem chaotic is really testament to the skill of all those involved. Yeah, yeah. Gareth Evans is the real deal. I mean, he's uh, yeah. an action director that I want more from as much as possible. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't care if he just keeps making action movies for the next. He's 15 so good years. at it. Yeah, he's so good. That I'm perfectly fine with that. Just like I'm perfectly fine with Guy Ritchie making when he makes uh, British crime films. I'm Cockney fine with that. crime films. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I mean, that's I'm fine with that, and I just feel like you know that's what they're good at. And I, I mean, do I want them to branch out if they want to? Sure. But man, when you're as good as Gareth Evans is, and not only at the fight scenes, but let's not forget about the car chases and oh man, and all the other great stuff, the knife fighting, the guns. I mean, it's it, all except it all feels fresh and visceral. Yeah, it really does. And it's all, almost every setup. Well, I'll talk about it again in a little while. We'll do that. <laughs> Don't want to get too far into it. All right, my number six is a documentary. And uh, actually, I was wrong. I only had two documentaries in my top ten. Uh, um, it is a documentary, and it is a film I quite adored. Um, some people, you know, said some things about it after the fact about how other people had another person had done this before this person, but. It doesn't matter. For me, the the storytelling is the key to a good documentary. Documentaries don't always have to be about facts. Sometimes it's how that story, factual or not, is is laid out over you in, you know, 90 minutes or 120 minutes or whatever it is. And for me, Tim's Vermeer told that story, and I was riveted by this man sitting in front of a canvas (laughs) with a camera camera obscura contraption. And uh, I was just riveted by this guy. I could listen to this guy talk about anything. Oh, yeah. And, of course, you know, this is directed by Teller, right? Yeah, Teller. And, yeah, Teller, yeah. And uh, Penn does some of the uh, the narration stuff because um, uh, Tim is his friend. And they're fascinating people to begin with. Um, if you, you know, you, for those who don't know anything about Penn and Teller, you should definitely check out as much Penn and Teller as you can. Maybe not even just their magic stuff, but some of their other stuff because they are fascinating people who just want to know everything about everything also i didn't know i forgot that pin is like six foot he's like six foot eight i think he's huge he is a big motherfucker teller is not (laughs) no he's not he's not i used to love their pin and teller bullshit show it's a great show um yeah because no i don't know if anybody says bullshit better than pin and and uh the public bullshit um (laughs) But I was riveted by this story. Uh, I've always been fascinated by classic art anyway. Uh, I cannot draw. I cannot paint. Uh, I cannot do anything uh, like that. I am lucky enough to know how to do a few things. But it's it's one of those things where I'm envious and, and almost jealous to a degree of people who can. And it's one of those things where the older I've gotten, I can see where like, you know, like I'll meet people who don't know how to play guitar and they'll see that I don't play it as much as I used to. And they're like, man, if I knew how to play guitar, I'd play it every day. I'd sit around the house and I'd just be playing it all the time. 
I was like, I know, but you think that, but then once you learn how to do it and you know, everything, you know, it's just, it becomes old hat, like everything. Yep. And I, I see people who know how, I know I got friends of mine who can draw great, who can paint, who can do all kinds of great things and they just don't do it anymore. And I'm always like, man, if I had that ability, <laughs> so I can kind of, you know, I got to taste of my own medicine a little bit, but this was, this was really great. Um, I love the way that Tim does everything with Tim is a question. And I find people yes. like that fascinating. So do I, I. And I think I know you and I had spoke with this. I think the world's a better place for having people like him that that have a thirst for knowledge, not just a thirst for knowledge, but um, are willing to roll up their sleeves and and really acquire that. I think a lot of us wonder about things and we're curious by nature. But he's kind of a, a, a trailblazer that, that goes out and does it. He's like an like a an intellectual kind of explorer in a lot of ways. And I really admire that. I think there's something to be said for that dedication and that passion. I agree. I agree. It's, it's, it's an exceptional work and man, I really, I really loved it. I really did. I thought it was, I don't you know, there's something about it. It was just riveting to me and, uh, I've watched it twice. I've watched it again. I didn't, you know, I don't always check in with the second thing I watch, but I've watched it again and, uh, still love it. Still think it's great, man. So yeah, my number, Six is Tim's Vermeer. Nice. My number five is a film that you and I differ, I think, on a fair bit. Um, it's my turn for that film. It's a film that, um, a filmmaker we both love a great deal. Unless you were pulling a real Coy Roy deep undercover move. We've, done, we've been known to do that, so it's not, it wouldn't be uncommon. But we'll no, see, we'll see no, what it, it certainly wouldn't. Um, but this this is for my money. This was the film I was maybe the most excited to see this year by who I think both of us consider to be the best American filmmaker going. It's uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's Inherent Vice. Oh, nice, nice, nice. I got, I'm going to be forthright with you right now. I did not make my top 30, but I'm happy yeah. it made your top 10. I'm happy it even oh, made your list. Man. Good. I love it. I, I, did, it. I did like it quite a bit. I did, it's my least favorite PTA, but I, but I still liked it quite a bit. I, I really loved it. Um, you know, a lot of the things that were complaints for me, I felt like they were by design and I was okay with it meandering and being shaggy and aimless. And I think it was kind of a, taking Altman's deconstruction or Penn's deconstruction of kind of this mm. neo noir to another level, but adding mm. the green zone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Phoenix is so good in He's it. Great. He's Everyone great. is He's great. He is He's so, so great. Um, it's probably. I know this is saying something, but it might be my favorite River Phoenix performance. Joaquin. Oh, Joaquin. Yeah, my bad. Oops. Oh, he was good in The Master, though, man. He was great in that, but I really like... He's really good. I really like Doc, man. Doc is... Doc is ...a character else. for the ages. I wish they'd make more Doc films. I wish it was yeah, like Doc. a series of Doc films. <laughs> yeah, Doc was... Yeah, I agree. I would love to see a series of Doc films. Um, yeah, I think the cast was great. Um, it ran pretty long. And, and, you know, I think a lot of times when we have... This is a mystery, and a lot of times people want mysteries resolved, and they want things, the propulsion to the story, and this doesn't really give you that, but I was okay with that because I was content to, you know, to be with Doc as he, you know, pulled out his roach clip and ran into Bigfoot and, <laughs> you know, all sorts of nonsense and kind of a lot of... Um, this was the film where I realized that Josh Brolin has an enormous head. He does man he's there's a point where he's standing right in front of doc and i'm like man his head is huge he would make a great caveman in a film oh he would he's got a great well, you know brolin's always had a well i great shouldn't face. say yeah he's got a great face well he's got a great face he's aged well 
He uh, has. As a kid, I didn't really care for his acting too much when he was younger. Uh, he's fine. But he has really, since No Country, he has really grown into uh, his looks, his voice, his acting quite a bit. Oh, he's he's just, yeah, he's very effortless. Um, yeah, no, great stuff. And uh, yeah, I really dug it. Some people didn't. It was a divisive film. Still one of the best posters of the year, I think, regardless. Yeah, great poster. And, uh, and the, yeah, the only complaint I really have a problem with people had was a lot of people said they came out of it and they were confused and they didn't really know what happened. And I... I I didn't get that at all, man. I thought the story, even though it does kind of meander around and move around a little bit, I thought it was pretty well told. I thought it, you know, I was able to keep up with everything that was going down. So, Yeah, I think it does a good job of putting us in Doc's shoes where you may forget some details because it's not always about the details of that event because there's 10 other events happening at the same time. Mm -hmm. So maybe people forgot, just like I'm sure Doc forgot at times. Yeah. Um, you know, well shot. I think it captures that. You know, having been to LA now, it kind of captures that. You know, I've been there for a few days, but I could feel that. You know, you could tell it was made by a native son and not someone who was coming in there. And yeah, yeah, you know. So yeah, there it is. One drawback I did have for the film, I should say this now because it did make my top thirty, uh, is, and you, and you might have liked her, but we didn't talk about her. I didn't really care for the girl that played Shasta. I got to be honest. I didn't find her as enchanting as <laughs> as her, like she was supposed to be either. I was like, man, this is the one that's so enchanting. I don't know. She's okay, but they yeah. could have got someone a lot more enchanting, I thought. Yeah, I thought Joanna Newsom was more interesting than he was, the the one that was kind of narrating the film. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought she, no, was, for sure. she was more interesting. But, I mean, you know, teach their own. But, I mean, I just never – I didn't really think Catherine Waterson was – I mean, she did a fine the performance and stuff, but she was not really, I don't know, just didn't really work for me too too well. No, no, I, she was fine, but yeah, I, I wouldn't have been just gaga, gaga over her. But I'll tell you, man, how about the chick that lost her teeth from smoking rock or whatever? She, I can't remember what she was doing now, but into oh, yeah. heroin maybe or something. Oh, but. yeah, that was, uh, wasn't that, uh, what's her name? I'm, I'm going to look through the cast right now. Isn't that uh, Huge cast. Jenna Malone? Jenna Malone? Oh, yeah, man. That was rough when she had her, she smiled. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. Reese Witherspoon was good in it. I, th I thought her and... Um, yeah, she was good. Her and, and, and Joaquin had a really good uh, chemistry together. Yeah. I like quite a... Oh, it was Jillian. Maybe it was Jillian Bell that did the narration. I can't remember who it was. And how about... Joanna um, or Jillian Japonica Bell. Fenway, Sasha... Peters, she was the younger one at the oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. office. Yeah. A good good ensemble. Kind of again Altman esque, you know, as he's been known to do. Uh, yeah, it's it works. I can't wait to watch it again and kind of just float around with it. So Yeah, it's like I say, it's my least favorite PTA, but that's really you know, that's like saying, you know, I got a hold of a a banana that had a little bit of brown on it, you know. Just Yeah, yeah, no, no, totally. I, I think there's tasty. a lot of things I wanted to say about the film when I first saw it, but I for, ironically, I've forgotten about them. So, yeah. yeah. Great. Eric Roberts in there, too, we should say. Eric Roberts. del Toro. Yeah. yeah. It's great to see Eric Roberts. I hope somebody, I hope, you know, because he does, he doesn't turn down any jobs. So yeah. I kind of hope that, uh, you know, some big name filmmakers uh, will pick him up. Man, after my click on him, it's insane. He's got 374 credits. He's really going for the John Carradine record. I think he makes Anthony Wong look like a lazy motherfucker somehow. This man, God, he makes a lot of shit, and he and does. and not just by saying like shit like volume. I mean, he makes good stuff and he makes shit. He's got about thirty. Wow, he's got about thirty or forty credits just in 2015. I know. I don't know how he does it, man. 
I don't either. I don't know what he's up to. Man, he but works. He's, he's, he's constant. He's a good actor, and he is a uh, tremendous actor. I think people have forgotten to. that. You know, he's, he was difficult when his youth, and I think that's yeah. you know that's hounded him quite a bit. It's too bad. I think he's got. I think he's got like a Keaton esque renaissance in him. I think he's a tremendous actor. Yep. Yeah, I agree. He's definitely got a renaissance in him. There'll be a year of the Roberts, the Roberts Renaissance. Yeah. All right, my number five. We've already talked about it a little bit. The Raid 2. Nice. Yeah, it's so good. What I wanted to say earlier was what I love about The Raid 2 and what I love about Gareth Evans in general is he knows how to make an action scene tense. We talked about that when we reviewed the first Raid. That one of the great things that he knows how to do that not a lot of filmmakers know how to do nowadays is build suspense. This film, while maybe in some aspects not as suspenseful as The Raid, has every scene, every action moment has a prelude that mm-hmm. that builds to that that magic crescendo that turns into this chaos of violence. They give us emotional stakes, yeah. Yeah, and it is it is without a doubt one of the most amazing physical films I've ever seen. The shape that these gentlemen have to be in to do the stuff they do with hardly. Uh-huh. I mean, there's there's cuts, but there's obviously wide shots as well where they do maybe the whole routine. And, uh, I mean, you name it. I, I think when we reviewed it, did we review it? I think we reviewed it. Yeah, we did. I think we, yeah. Um, we were talking about We did about because we, we did, ironically, Cronenberg's paired up with them both times. We yeah. did The Brood, and then we did Videodrome the year prior. Oh, that's right. That's right. And uh, the, this, this, you know, you got the kitchen fired, you got the mud fired, you got the restaurant, or you got the, the bar. or you In got, the car. And- <laughs> yeah. You got the cars. You got this. You got that. You got... You know, it just so much insanity and so many you know make or break scenes in the movie. Uh, man, what a what a film! And it left me breathless. If there's any complaint I could have about it, sure, it's a little too long. Mm-hmm. But what do you take out? Yeah, what do you take out? Because I can say that I can say it's a little too long, but every scene in the film I enjoy. I enjoy all the stuff. I enjoy the. You know the near giveaways of uh, his identity. I enjoy all of it. I mean, I just think oh, it, yeah. I think it was brilliant, and I think he's made two of the best. I I still have not seen Marantel, but I know he's made for me good one. two of the best action movies of the last. I'd say even ten years. I'll say ever. I'm gonna say ever. Yeah, I mean, he's, it's, it's amazing. amazing. Oh, you get the old Golden Harvest stuff. Yeah, that stuff's great. Um, you know, but this yeah. can run with that stuff, man. Mm. This can run with anything. Yeah, the Raid Two can run with anything I've ever seen. Yep. In any form of action cinema, martial arts, uh, 80s action, insanity, uh, Filipino action, insanity. I don't care. Indonesian oh, yeah. cinema. <laughs> uh, well, this is Indonesian cinema, isn't it? Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, it it's awesome. Now what I want Gareth Evans to do is to remember his remember the roots of Indonesian cinema and bring some of those Indonesian stars back. He's got to get Peter O'Brien. Got to get Peter in there. We got to get Barry Prima in there. We got to we got to get these guys. Wallace is he still around? Uh, I think Superfoot's still around. Wonder if Mike Abbott can still rock a speedo. Only one way to find out. (laughs) I'm sure Superfoot, uh, if he's around, would uh, try to uh, drop the foot and put it up there. You know. Oh yeah. Bill Wallace is he still around? Uh, Yeah, Bill Wallace is still around, man. Yeah, he's not. He's not too old. He can do it. Greg Rainmaker's probably in a Guatemalan prison somewhere but yeah yeah bring them bring them back bring these guys back man let's uh you know let's get some appreciation for that classic indonesian cinema very prima yeah that's what i'm saying i mean yeah i'd take you on and and, uh yeah get get chris mitchell out of retirement yeah have him play the heavy and get on it man 
Let's get yeah. Indonesian cinema back on the map. Yeah, man. And get some Blu-ray releases of some of those other <laughs> classics. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be down for that. But yeah, The Raid 2. Everything you said and more. I mean, are, Absolutely. they're interchangeable pretty much on our list. Yeah, they And are. rightfully so. Um, I knew it would be in your top ten. Oh, and yeah, I think I you, same with. Yeah, I think you knew it would be in mine. So yeah. that's probably the least surprising one for both of us in the top ten. For sure. For sure it is. Okay, nice. My number four is the only documentary in my top ten. I'm curious as to which one it is. Well. Because I, I know some of the ones you've seen, so I'm curious as to which one it is. Yeah, there's a couple that, uh, yeah, it, this one, I saw a lot of great documentaries in the past six to seven weeks, a lot that really made me cry hard, mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> really hard. Um, but oh, this uh, one really, yeah, I, remember, I know what one this is now. Yeah, this one really left an impression on me, and it, I think with a lot of great film, when it inspires you to do something, I think that's really testament to the subject and to the filmmaker. Um, yeah. And this is a film that's readily available. It's on YouTube. It's on Amazon Prime. It's on Netflix. Uh, go out and buy it. We're going to do – well, I'm going to do something. Um, anyone who wants to help out can certainly help out even if it's a dollar a month. This may sound bizarre since you haven't mentioned the film yet. But my uh, number four is a 2013 film technically – uh, directed by Steve Hoover. It's called Blood Brother. Yeah. And for those that that um, didn't hear me talk about this film and kind of mention it in the group and everything else, um, it's about a young man named Rocky Brat who is American. He went to India uh, just for a backpacking kind of trip. He stumbled on to – or he went, on, went to a trip at an orphanage for children that have AIDS. And – it affected him in a way that he left his life behind in America and he moved there to try to make a difference in these kids' lives. And he didn't really know what he was doing and, you know, he, he wasn't one of these guys that had a background in, in anything that would allow him to really make this flourish other than having a love and a willingness to, to do something. And it's a beautifully moving and heartbreaking documentary when you see these children and you see the love he has for them and, 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 and they have for him and what he's been willing to do. It really moved me like, like no, like no other film this year. It really, really moved me. And, and they have a foundation where you can, you know, you can donate and stuff. And i, I once this show's all done and like upcoming weeks, I'm going to get something together where even if it's 10 bucks a month, you know, a few people give a dollar to get some fresh drinking water or rice for these kids. I just I really encourage everyone to get out there and see this film because even if this cause I don't know how it couldn't move you but just to see that we're all very capable of of impacting the world around us there has to be a willingness um, to do so and a passion for it and and we all can do that um, and it may seem like not much and we may get frustrated and but if you have a love and a willingness to do things and change lives, we can do it in some way. And this film is testament to that. But it never feels like misery porn or explore, exploits the kids in any way. It's done in a sort of a beautiful and poetic way. Right, right. Yeah, I wanted to watch this, uh, as I told you, and I may have said on the show, just not quite ready for that type of material right now. Oh, but, my God, uh, that was such a mess. <laughs> I'm sure I'll get back to it and stuff. Uh I was a little scarred by one you watched recently, so I didn't really want to get back into any realms of just the tough stuff. Sometimes the tough stuff's just a little too tough for old Sammy boy there. Oh, I hear you, man. <laughs> and I hear uh, you. yeah, just not, just not what I'm looking to pursue lately. 
yeah. but yeah no I'm, I'm interested to see it i'm definitely it's been on my list since you mentioned it and since you talked about it and uh i'm hoping to talk about it uh you know hoping to watch it at some point nice all right so what are we on four four, four. Ah, all right so my number four was a divisive film for many and i mean many people uh some people hate it <laughs> some people love it such as me uh, i think you as well um but I really think it is brilliant. And I think it's one of the kind of film that 10 years from now, people will be looking back on and thinking, fuck, man, how far ahead of the game was he? And that is Jonathan Glazer's Under the Skin. Nice. I think this film is brilliant. I really do. I think uh, the performances are great. I think what he does with uh, non-actors is brilliant. Uh, he doesn't overuse that nor exploit that, in my opinion. He kind of gently uses it now and it's it's nice and it's creative um i think uh scarlett johansson has i mean she's amazing in the movie Uh, she's not really doing a whole lot as far as emotional acting but it's brilliant what she does and when she's trying to work things out when she's working out uh humanity because i'm not giving anything away by talking about that she's working out these things about the human condition and whatnot has some of my favorite scenes of the year. The beach scene, uh, one of my favorites. Uh, oh, man. The uh, scene with the gentleman with the uh, skin disorder, or the, uh, uh, the deformity, is mm-hmm. pretty great. Um, that's one of the, uh, that's to me, is, sorry to interrupt, is one of the best scenes in film this year. Yeah, yeah. But so many great moments in a movie that I think is full of them. And I fucking love the end of the movie. I oh, think yeah. the end is brilliant. Yeah. So I understand it's not everybody's cup of tea, but Sammy really enjoyed that cup there, boy. Oh, yeah. I loved it. I thought it was brilliant. And, you know, I mean, just to be crass, I mean, it's also great because I get to see one of my favorite actresses uh, fully nude. But, I mean, that's not really the main reason to see the movie. The movie is is, uh, brilliant. Uh, And she picked the right film to go full nude in. I mean, she did the right thing by, you know, you know, she's all. I'm sure she's been offered lots of money to show her oh, yeah. uh, goods before, but I, I like the way the nudity is handled in this. It's not graphic. Very it's not un-sexual. gratuitous. Yeah, it's not gratuitous. Yeah, uh, and it's gorgeous. I mean, she's a gorgeous woman, and the way it's handled person. is in a gorgeous way. Yeah, and then bravo to the men too. There's some male nudity in here as well. And yeah, which isn't glamorous, and yeah. it's. You know, vulnerable. Male nudity is never as glamorous for some reason. <laughs> no, no. And that's not just because I'm a dude. I think most females would admit that too. Yeah, the female form is more beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But uh, brilliant movie, brilliant movie. I, I just think it, man. I after I got done watching it, I was just like shaking my head, like "fuck, that was great. That was really great." So yeah, under the skin, number four. We're getting into the real nitty gritty here, man. Yeah, top the three. top three. I have no idea where you're going to go because none of the North films North. I thought might be in your top ten, except for the Ray Two. Uh, you have you mentioned yet, there, boy? So I'm starting to think, oh boy, or do we do? We, let's see if we have anything in common in our top three. Okay, so my number three is a film that is from a filmmaker who I think is one of the best in his country, that being Japan. Um, it's a film that. I had really high hopes for, and I had a chance to see it with a good friend at TIFF, <laughs> uh, Scott of Married with Clickers fame. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it left, it assaulted his senses. <laughs> it left me battered and bruised for about three or four days. It's uh, comparable to uh, Schrader's Hardcore, but 
a much more extreme heart of darkness. And it's uh, Tetsuya Nakashima is the world of Kanako. Nice. Yeah, I know you you were really pushing me to try to see that. And I, ho- I was hoping to, but sadly not yet. But I will see it. I can't wait. It's been on my list ever since you mentioned it. Oh, man, it's so good. And he, like a lot of filmmakers, there's a few other filmmakers um, that work in Japan that are Japanese that can cover a lot of ground and they can be kind of sprawling and they can kind of um, take a hard turn sometimes from satire to horror to um, to heavy drama. This film looks at... Um, the disconnect. Essentially, for those that don't know, it's about a detective who's been disgraced. He's an alcoholic, played by Koji Yakusho of Thirteen Assassins fame. He's one of the best actors. He's always reminds me of sort of like the Japanese Richard Gere in some ways. Bit of a glass, a glass, ooh, bit of a class and grace to him. Um, and he's a disgraced, boorish detective, alcoholic, and his daughter, teenage daughter, goes missing. And his, uh, his ex-wife says, you know, our daughter's missing. You got to find her. And he goes to find her and he finds that she's cut from the same cloth he is and she might be a monster. Um, so it's kind of about that, that parental relationship, nature versus nurture, the disconnect with parents and children, a kind of a indictment of Japanese society and youth, uh, but also the culpability of the adults in that Um it's 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 a bleak fucking film, man. No one in this film has any. Re- no one is redeemable. Mm. I mean, it's just it. But it's done. It's a. It's going to be a gorgeous Blu-ray when it gets out. Um, yeah. I mean, Nakashima between Confessions and this, he's really been crushing it. The past. and then of course Kamikaze Girls, Memories of Matsuko. He's yeah. a really good filmmaker. Man. Yeah, I love Confessions. I think it was on my top thirty. Oh yeah, it came out. Maybe in my top ten, I can't remember, but I loved it quite. Didn't a bit. we went? We went to see that together at TIFF, right? No, 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 no. We saw that another no. way. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still not available in the states. Oh man, but that's a tremendous film. This, I would say this. I think Confessions is a cleaner film. Yeah, it's more tight. Um, there's going to be some people that they get kind of put off that Kanako kind of meanders and goes down some paths and gets a bit silly at times, but. I think it's all pretty cohesive in the grand scheme of things for me, and it's a little more ambitious, I think, than uh, than Confessions. Not as clean and tight, but it it wallops, man. Nice, nice. All right, yeah, I knew that one was going to be in there. So, I mean, it was going to be in the top ten. I didn't know it'd be so high, so I was kind of waiting for that one. Thought it might end up being because you were, you kept bringing it up, so I kept thinking, man, I really just need to see this. Yeah, it's it's a good one. <laughs> um, okay, my number three is a uh, yet another divisive film, and it's a film that worked for me. I know uh, you enjoyed it. Don't know if it's in your top two or not, so we'll see. But uh, it might be in your top thirty. I don't know. I don't. I just don't know. We'll see. Um, but it is uh, David Michaud's The Rover. Oh, nice! Yeah, I knew this was gonna. This was one that, even jokingly last night, uh, Chris and I said, "Well, there's, well, Chris had said this, and I kind of laughed." He said, "Well, there's two things we know." Sammy's going to have a lot of documentaries, and he's going to have the rover in there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, he's pretty much right. Yeah, I love the rover, man. The rover is, when people kind of talk about my personality in movies, uh, the rover is a pretty great example of the kind of movie I like. Excellent. I, I like movies to be nihilistic, um, which Chris knows. Yes, I like because he enjoys the same things. I don't know how much. I don't know if he loved the rover or not. Did he love the rover? I think that's a good question. I never thought to ask him. Um, I might look on Letterbox here in a minute and see if he yeah, watched yeah, it. Yeah, see if he did. I, I would think he would because yeah, you're right. He likes that nihilistic stuff too. Yeah, he loves that stuff. So, 
Um, but this, I think it, it has maybe, well, it has my third favorite performance of the year because the first two films of my one and two have my favorite performances of the year. Oh, I have no idea what your one and two yeah. are. But uh, the rover uh, has uh, a Guy Pierce performance that I think is brilliant. I just think it's it's brilliant in its quietness and it's brilliant in its nastiness. And it's another example of Guy Pierce just being one of the one of the greatest actors working now. Agreed. Who does not get enough credit for what he can do? Uh, he is he is a magnet on screen. I mean, he is just a a, a bucket of charisma that. I want to see more and more of, and uh, I love him. I really do. And he crushes it, man. Every time out, he just he is so good. Yeah, he is so good. And you know what else, man? You and I spoke about this. You know who runs with him quite well, and I've been saying it from day one. Even yep. with something as ridiculous as Pattinson, fucking slays in this film. It's one of my favorite. Those two performances are yeah. like my among my favorite performances of the year. Yeah, I agree with you. They are. It is one of the great one-two punches of the year. Uh, actually, my number two film has a great one-two punch as well. We'll talk about I that. Think, I think I might know what it is. <laughs> you might know. But, um, yeah, it's it's a great performance. And the character faces that are around, you get Scoot McNary in there, but you also get some oh, other yeah. great faces kind of in the background and stuff. It deals with uh, not with – I think some people went into it thinking it was about the apocalypse. It's more about a financial collapse than it is an apocalypse. Yeah. So not everything is completely gone. People are still kind of bartering for water and gas and things like that. But it's not Mad Max. I think no. some people thought when they heard the film about the film, they thought Australia, yes. apocalypse, you know, guy Pierce in a pair of shorts. I think oh, yeah. <laughs> they thought that, it's such an unglamorous film. Like, oh, it's so, he doesn't it's look, so filthy, he doesn't look yeah. good in the film. Like no. he looks very. And that's what I love about him is his willingness to. Yeah, I mean, he looks like pretty like gross and like greasy in the film as everyone does oh yeah you just feel like like if you were in the car with those two pattinson and pierce you just feel like uh, it would smell like ass oh man like the That's worst hot sour yeah like the inside pungent. of a 500 pound man's belly buttons what it would smell uh, like in there. <laughs> gross yes uh it reminds me of the grossest thing in SpongeBob. What do you think about SpongeBob, the movie that I did find appalling and, and yet appealing? Because that's the kind of person I am, is there's a scene where Plankton falls down in Patrick's belly button and when he comes back out he's covered in like goo, like uh. brown dirt. And my wife about threw up and I'm sitting there going, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nah, anyway. <laughs> um no, the rover is fantastic. I love it. I think the violence is handled well. I think uh it feels real. It does. Uh, it's quick, sudden. It's nasty. impactful. Yeah, and it's just it's nasty, and um, it's I just, nasty and hot. Some would it say is. it is. It's very nasty and hot. <laughs> and the further down the block Pierce went, the better it got. Yes, it really did. <laughs> yeah, him and him and Pattinson are the silver and gold of the Australian outback. <laughs> <laughs> the question is, which one's Pattinson? Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit, she. <laughs> They knew when we got here. Oh, <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I, I love the film. I think it. I, I know some people. A good friend of the show, Miles, he did not like it. Uh, some other people did not like it. They called it slog or just bore or whatever. But I think it's brilliant. I think it's not just the acting. I think the film is well paced and it looks gorgeous too. Looks fantastic. Yeah. So yeah, my number three is the Rova. Keep no one does lean, mean, uncompromising film like Australia. Yeah, yeah, and nobody. And, and it was nice to see cars come back. I mean, it's not, yeah. it's not really like the it's not like the chaos. That I think George Miller's Fury Road is going to be the master of the car, the Australian no. car movie. 
yeah. but it is nice to see cars play a prevalent role in an Australian film because they always like you know Quentin Tarantino says they always know how to do cars, and it's just great to hear a guy up here say, "I want my car." Oh yeah, I was give waiting me, for that. <laughs> give me back my car. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't he carry on an igloo cooler too, or something, or no? Uh, I can't quite recall. I can't quite recall. I've only seen it the one time. I want to go. I want to revisit. It. I have it on iTunes. I bought it on iTunes for eight bucks. Nice. Uh, with commentary and everything, a digital copy, and I haven't listened to the commentary yet. But I love David Michaud. I think he's. I think he's an up and comer. I liked Animal Kingdom more than you did, but I really think. But he's, it's a good film. Yeah, yeah it's good. I think he's. Uh, he's one to watch. I think he's going to be exceptional and uh you know like uh the guy that did uh bullhead and uh the drop i hope he stays in the crime field quite a bit because i mean some of these guys are really good at these crime films and i think it's more of a crime film than an apocalyptic film so yeah that's my feel anyway it feels, it feels like it feels like almost feels like the coen brothers went to australia <laughs> it's, hot, it's a hungry kind of lean film yeah. yeah not quite as quirky as coen brother characters no. but no. you do get that sense of the sweatiness and kind of dirtiness of a coen brother film Let's hear your number two. Here we go. Only four films left. Yeah, number two is a film that was very divisive. Um, I don't know if it's going to make your list. It's hard to tell, man. It was hard to tell if this was going to make your list. I, I was very coy about this film, or I tried to be very coy um, <laughs> as much as I could. Uh, coy, coy and, Roy. I feel like, it, you know, it's a director who, when I look back, he's very prolific, but I've only ever seen maybe three or four of his films. Um, and there was a lot of, it was weird, there was a lot of backlash with this film late in the year. And, and I look at this film and I think it's, I think it's one of the most, um, it, it, I'm surprised it was never done sooner. It's at times, I think it, it's Malikian, um, in some ways, it's a beautiful film, and it's a film that I wrestled so hard with. I, this was my number one, then my number one was my number one. I went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And it's uh, Richard Linklater's Boyhood. Nice. Yeah, I saw this recently. It's in my list, but it's not in my top ten. Oh, man. It really, really impacted me. And the, the thing I really loved about this film, I, I just want to get a few things out there. Um, I love that Linklater is very understated throughout the film. There's a lot of moments when you think they could be cinematic, and he, I think intentionally avoids them being cinematic. Like yeah, yeah. even, even small moments, I've seen this to Chris last night, even small moments, like when he leaves the first town, mm -hmm. you'd think you're going to get the shot of him looking out the back of the window and the kid, his friend waving to him, but his friend's obscured by the tree as he drives by. Yeah. I like that. I like that. That's great. I love that. I feel like so many things are underplayed and they're under, they're, they're, they're done in a way that is, it flies in the face of what we expect from cinema, but it feels very much like real life. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 movie moments. We expect these movie moments, and he never gives us those movie moments. Absolutely, and I think it's pretty brilliant. And Linklater is one of, yeah, he's one of the best American filmmakers of the last twenty years. I agree, man, and I think that he's at a you know I'm a son, I'm a father, so I knew this film, and I told you, like I'd said, you know, to some friends when I saw this trailer, like and I was almost in tears. We should say you're a boy too. <laughs> I'm a boy, yes. Um, and, and, you know, I knew this film was going to be a softball for me. I'll be the first to admit that. But, yeah, you know, I just feel like um, I watched it with my mom. You know, that helped the cause <laughs> as well. But I just feel like Linklater was at a perfect intersection to make the film with the material he did as a filmmaker and as a father, as a son. And I think there's, there's for me, there was no real missteps. I think Ethan Hawke starts out 
as one kind of father, but by the end we see he's grown yeah. as a person, yeah. which yeah. happens in life a lot. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, the Ethan Hawke character in the beginning, if you're a father, a, a respectable father, a responsible father, the Ethan Hawke character in the beginning is irritating. Uh, he is. And irresponsible and a lot of things. But as the film grows, as the kids grow, as the characters grow, I, I really ended up liking the Ethan Hawke father figure. Uh, he Absolutely. came he came around for me, right? So big time he did. And I, I I think another thing, and it's not my top ten, but I, I'll share some thoughts with you too because I really did enjoy the film. I'm not gonna lie; it's it's a very very good film. Uh, it is in my silver, I should nice. say. Nice. Um, I like also that it deals with the different types of fathers that uh, yes. this kid deals with. He deals with an alcoholic, abusive father stepfather he deals with uh, a stepfather who has you know financial issues and alcohol seems to be involved and and alcohol you know whether we want to admit it or not it's it's a it's a strong narcotic for tough life Mm -hmm. and people get in over their heads uh at one point patricia arquette's character says that they're house poor because they bought this house that they can't really afford and they're kind of scraping by but they wanted this house so badly that's that's an American problem. That's that uh, I shouldn't even say it's American that's problem. A it's North America. That, that's yeah. a Western society yeah. problem. I think they want you know we want a little too much, and yeah. uh, you know we think we can do it, but you know life life gets in the way of those things. It just happens. It's it's inevitable. I think that the boyhood deals with the middle class maybe better than any film I may have seen in the last five years. Maybe. It really does hit that quite well. And that's the other thing I love is, you know, it does. And I feel like it never it never makes Mason out to be a saint. It never makes Patricia Arquette to be a saint. Yeah. They're real human beings. They feel fleshed out. They feel like real people to me. And mm-hmm. I know some people had a lot of problems with um, Arquette's kind of blow up near the end of the film. And I was okay with that because I looked at it as, as I think there's all points in our lives when we realize our parents are more than just our parents. They're human beings that have flaws and sometimes they misstep. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. kind of what I saw that as. Um, and I want to say, too, a lot of people didn't like Lorelei Linklater as his sister. I really liked her in the film. I thought at times she was a bit awkward, but she had an awkward teenage girl charm that felt real to me. Yeah, I liked her, too. I thought she was I good as well. she was great, man. She was great. So, yeah, I, I think, really love this I, film, I think man. all the acting is good in the film. The kids, it totally all is. that stuff. Yeah. All the kids stuff. And like I said, just, there's so many moments when he could have went the cinematic way and really blown the moment up. He never does. Like the moment with the gun, I thought that was going to go another way. Like... With the big speech and I don't like guns and well, I thought the abusive stepfather was going to go that one step too far and it didn't go too yeah. far. Yeah, there were uh, so many moments he he used enough restraint to just to keep things moving. And there's a lot of and I like that there's all those sweet little victories hmm, as a yeah. as a boy, you know, yeah. with the little notes getting passed. And I'll tell you, one of the moments that rung the truest for me, and I, I would be surprised if you didn't feel the same, is because we I think we've all been there. Is a moment when, when Mason's sixteen. And he he kind of confronts his dad to say, "Well, I thought you know that your charger was going to be mine." Yeah, yeah, yeah. That 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 moment rings so true. Well, yeah, because, because par- kids, a- kids, and parents. I mean, I can remember promises made by my yeah. father, and in good faith, I'm sure. Yeah, and then them not backed up. And when you get yeah. to be the age where you think it's it's kind of a growing process, right? So I think the difference between boyhood and manhood is yes. you realize that most promises aren't real. Most promises are. You know, you. I mean, obviously, you know, if I make a promise to my son, I want to try to stick with Absolutely. it. Absolutely. But the reality is, I'm a human being. I'm, I might fuck that up. So, you know, you don't want to fuck them up. But I think, 
again, that's a great moment between Ethan Hawke and that and that uh, that non actor, uh, that that young man. Other coaching, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a really great moment between those two. I struggled with this film putting it in my top ten because I really did love it. Um, mm. I just didn't because there were some films I wanted to champion more, especially sure. my number one. But I won't I won't deny that I didn't think this film was uh, brilliant. I, I'd put it off for a long time. The runtime was was intimidating. Uh, I regret that a little bit because the runtime wasn't really as invasive into no, my no. watching as I thought it would be because no. I so much wanted to see where this character went. And his growth, I yeah. think, and it felt very organic without announcing these chapters in his life. Yeah, he and and not only that, it's, it's, it's called Boyhood, but they also handle Linklater and and, and the actors. They also and Parenthood, hand, yeah, and they handle that well. They handle you know uh, girlhood, you could say. They girlhood, also handle, they handle the stuff with his girlfriend and yeah, his, young his adult, sister, yeah, yeah. young adulthood. I mean, it really looks at I think moments in time a a twelve year period in the lives of people not just the boy but of his family and yeah. it's it's it feels a bit like you know some people i think some people have said this i don't know if they have but even though some people i can't remember what film some people had said this wrong but it feels a little bit like true what Truffaut did with the uh, antoine Donnell character mm, yeah, yeah you know making the films in succession and you just i think he's a guy much like soderbergh that takes the medium whether it's rotoscoping the sort of surrealist paranoid uh <laughs> film like he did with um uh, Skinner Darkly to, you know, some of the other stuff he's done to this. I think he really stretches the medium in an interesting way. Yeah. Yeah. Linklater's the real deal. Yeah, for That's sure. That's all to it. He's the real deal. And uh, I think he's one of the, you know, he came out of that yeah, early 90s boom. And, uh, oh, yeah. You know, I think people, he, he seems to be the one that sometimes is forgotten. Um, yeah. But I don't think anymore. I think people, will, you know, will be talking about, even though Boyhood didn't win a lot of awards and everything else, I still think Boyhood will be a, statement that sticks around for some time and i cannot wait for that criterion oh yeah Yeah. there's gonna be so much wonderful material in there yeah i think he's you know he's made some films about youth that are just about as perfect as you can make them boy it rings so true dazed and confused i mean those those are dazed and confused is a great film so oh it is it is a great film so it's just amazing to me some of the stuff that he's been able to do and again like i said i just feel like sometimes he's kind of overlooked by the quentin tarantino's and even the Robert Rodriguez's and people like that sometimes. So they'll, yep. most people will know him before they know uh, Richard Linklater. But he's he's not a he's not an over stylish filmmaker, but he's a no. quality filmmaker, right? So yep, yeah, that's no, a great choice. I, I can't deny the choice. It didn't make my top ten, but uh, I agree with you. It is a great film. I'm glad you really enjoyed it then, because I wondered how yeah, you yeah. feel about no, it. I, I really did enjoy it. It was it was great. It was great. I will own it. Yes, I will. So that's always the true test, right? Uh, all right, my number two, another one-two power punch with some actors, um, having a good time. This is a film that I feel personally people did not get. Uh, I know you did, but uh, I feel like a lot of other people, either by the title of the film or whatever. Oh, I know where you're going with this. This is or, what I thought it would be. Yeah, or whatever the nice. fuck. <laughs> uh, nice. I don't know what people expected out of this movie, but. Uh, if you you know if you're still the kind of person that you know <laughs> sees a film for the reason for its reason why it's titled, I, I don't know why you even bother. I mean, I, I don't you know I've never I, for me I know the title of a film just because it's what I want to see. It doesn't it doesn't have to mean anything to me. Mm-hmm. Um, this film does have the title does mean something because absolutely this, it, it does. These events occur during a uh, a most violent year in New York yes. City and in the 80s in 1981, I believe. Um, this is a film that. I wanted to see 
we kind of talked about if it was Cramble or not because it kind of snuck in under the radar. I actually thought this thing was going to get nominated for some Oscars because it had some heavy buzz toward the end of its run yeah. in December, but it kind of got uh, shut out. And I think it's a travesty that it did because I think this is one of the best directed films of the year. I think it's one yes. of the best acted films of the year. Agreed. I think it's one of the most beautiful films of the year. Yeah. And I just think it's one of the best films of the year, period. Yes. Spot <laughs> uh, on, man. Oscar Isaac is great. Uh, as good as he was in uh, Lewin Davis, he's just as good in this, in my opinion, playing a different type of character. And you and I had said, and I really felt this, a lot of people have tried to do this, and I don't think it was his intention necessarily, but a lot of people have tried this, and it looks like a really pathetic Xerox, but I've never felt early 70s Pacino more than I did with Oscar Isaac in this film. Yeah, yeah, and this might be one of the, I mean, when you watch this movie, if you know me, and my love of 70s cinema. When you watch this movie, you you probably would have thought to yourself, if you watched it before me, you probably would have been one of those people who would have sent us an email or, or sent us on Facebook and said, oh, Sammy, you need to see it most valid year. I think you're going to like it. Oh, yeah. Because this does hit all those sweet spots for me. It does feel like a genuine piece of 70s cinema. Mm-hmm. It's all about characters. It's all about um, the issues the characters go through. It's about dialogue. It's not so much cinematic. I mean, there's some great shots in here and everything. It has a heavy message without hitting you over the head with it. Yes. Um, it has a really nice car chase scene uh, that feels freaking, oh, yeah. freaking-esque in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything about it just felt right. And like I said, there's a lot of people out there, I know really close friends who uh, didn't really care for it. And I don't know if they hated it, but they just didn't really care for it. But for me, I thought this was riveting. I thought it was great. So yeah, yeah, no, I'm with you. It didn't make my top ten, but it's definitely not far behind. Yeah, um, I thought Chastain was great. I, oh, some yeah. people thought she was kind of playing a caricature, but I, I felt like it was a good um, reversal of gender expectations. Yeah, I think if she'd but, have been playing a caricature, she would have, at the moments when she's being that kind of boisterous Brooklyn girl. Yeah. Then even in the quiet moments, she would have been that Brooklyn girl. And then I would have agreed it was a caricature. But in the quiet moments, she wasn't that girl. She wasn't that girl. But but in moments of when she's having to be defensive, it turns on, much yeah. like it would with most people when they they kind of revert to survival <laughs> instinct, right? Yeah, so, yeah, when I get mad, I turn into the biggest fucking hillbilly you'll ever meet. <laughs> yeah, I start throwing pancakes around the room, man. <laughs> yeah. it, gets, it gets intense. But. Get the maple syrup gun out. like. <laughs> oh, man. Big time. <laughs> You know what's crazy, too? This film, as much as I think those two, I mean, Isaac is the anchor and Chastain's close to him. It's got some really, really good supporting performances. Yes. One of the guys that I think that I know you and I love, he's it's a tremendous actor. David Oyelowo puts in a good supporting performance. Albert Brooks with straight hair, man. Like, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was, uh, yeah. <laughs> what's his name? Uh, Little Joe, man. I thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> Joe D'Alessandro. Yeah, yeah, he did kind of look get a little bit of a D'Alessandro oh, looker. And you know who for me really nailed it? And he was great in another film that I don't think you crammed this year, but I think he's an actor that I, I kind of I've liked what I've seen, but he hasn't done a ton. Is Alessandro Nivola. Oh, yeah, yeah, he no, was yeah. really good in this film. I, I like him. I like him quite a bit. He was a very much a pretty boy when he started out, right? Yeah, yeah. And he did, um, you know what's funny? The first time I saw him was uh, was Kick, I think it was, or Goal, that, that soccer one, Goal. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He was in goal so, and goal two. Yeah, goal two. Yeah, yeah. He was in both of those. So, yeah. yeah. I remember the first thing I saw him in, I think I want to say was, ooh, I bet it was. Oh, he was in Laurel Canyon. He was the son, wasn't he? Yeah. 
he was the. Oh one, no, that was Bale. That was Bale. Sorry. I bet the first thing I saw him in, he was uh, Caster Troy's brother in Face Off. Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah, he wore the glasses and stuff. Like he was the other Troy brother. But I remember him also in Inventing the Abbots, and I remember him in uh, Best Laid Plans, which is a romantic comedy my wife made me watch, which I hated. But um, yeah, he was in some good stuff. June Bug's a good film he was in. Man, he's I didn't know he's I forgot he was in Jurassic Park three. Fuck, I didn't even know he was in that. But no, he's he's been in some good stuff, and I think he's an exceptional. He's, he's got a great face, and he's fantastic in Selma. Oh, is he? Oh, oh yeah, he's, he's in that. There, fantastic there we go. Himself. He's in that. I didn't know that. A small little turn. Much like this. Good supporting turn. Good, good. I'm, I'm happy. Because I thought that uh, he was going to disappear. I thought he was going to be, you know, in these... Because, uh, like I said, he's a handsome man. So I thought he was going to yeah. be in these kind of, you know, blah, 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 romantic comedies mostly. But it looks like uh, looks like he's doing some very interesting things. Yeah, that's a good year. That's a good last couple of years for him. American Hustle, yeah. Most Violent Year in Selma. Absolutely. Man. I haven't and seen American Hustle, but yeah, I haven't seen American Hustle, but Nor still, I. I mean, you know, it's not best laid plans. So there yes, you go. that's right. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, no, nice. I, I agree with you. He's really good in the movie. Nice. I'm so glad. Uh, that's not a romantic comedy. Best laid plans is a thriller. That's a, that's a murder movie. That's right. Yeah. Shitty one. Reese Witherspoon's in it though. It's bad. Yeah. Don't watch it. Uh, okay, man. Great. Yeah, that was my number two. The most violent year. <laughs> It was a great film. It really was. And I, I love it. It's another movie where I think they nailed the ending. Yeah, they totally did. Uh, there's a little moment that uh, Oscar Isaacs, Abel Morales, there's a little moment that his character does that I'm like, yeah, that, that is the cost of that, isn't it? The cost of that yep. is blood, right? So Yeah. No, for sure. And again, I think it, it says a lot about where we're at as a Western civilization. We should say also. Over over yeah, it. we should also say J.C. Chandor. Congratulations. I mean, Great. He's he's another one. He's had a good run, man. Three in a row. Yeah, he's another guy, uh, roughly the same age as uh, as uh, Bennett Miller, and uh, another up and comer, man. Um, yeah, I've seen three sure. of his films, and all three have been good. Oh, well, actually, I, I take it back. I've seen two of his three. I still haven't seen all his Lost yet, but I know most people. It's good, I'm, not yeah. great. Yeah, but, but it's I, still an exercise for the medium. That's very interesting. Yeah, I'm looking forward to whatever he does next. He's an up, definitely an up and comer for me. Nice. So yeah, let's hear. This is the big one. The big right? one. This is the numero uno. Drum roll. The big I just finished off my A and W root bear. That's amazing. Uh, do you remember, remember A and W cream soda? Yeah, 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 yeah. Every now and uh, then, uh, I like a root beer or a cream soda, something real sugary sweet like that. It's almost like a treat. So I'll buy bottles of it occasionally and chill them, and you know, it's better than drinking regular beer all the time. I guess. Well, maybe not, okay. but I mean, you know, healthier. Maybe I don't know. Who knows. Yeah, that's probably better, I would say. I like case. a good root bear. Yeah, man. Dare <laughs> bye. Yeah. Uh, so my film was one I had the chance to see at TIFF. I love the director. Oh, nice, nice. Love the director. I think he's one of the most interesting filmmakers working in the world. Um, but when I saw what this film, like what the plot synopsis was, and spun up sort of the device they used to tell the story, I thought, oh, this is going to be fucking horrible. <laughs> There's no way I'm watching this. And then I thought for a second, I thought, you know, shame on you because you love this filmmaker. Yeah. Until you watch something and it shits the bed for you, don't prejudge because we've, you know, we've all been guilty of falling into that trap. I prejudged Kill Bill. Uh, when Kill Bill was. We both was, did. We yeah, both when, did. When it was getting made, I was like, this is going to be a shit show. Oh, yeah. This is going to be a disaster. Well, we, is- we prejudged, I think, all Tarantino stuff. And you have to have faith in the filmmakers you really love that. They have a vision that there's a reason they're great and we're not doing what they do because they have a vision and a faith to to 
pull that vision off. Yes, yes, exactly. So my film is from Sion Sono, and uh, a lot of people are talking, why don't you play in hell? And that's a good film. But my number one film of 2014, and I had a hard time keeping a lid on this one because I had so much fun with this. It's Tokyo Tribe. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I remember you see that. I remember you watched this. You watched this not too long ago, didn't you? No, I saw it a few weeks ago, maybe. Yeah. I'll tell you what. This film, almost the whole film is done in rap lyrics. Like, all the characters rap their, their lines. Oh, I love it already. Um, the costumes are unbelievably garish. It's sort of like... See, the thing about this film that's so great is... It's it's about it's an alternate universe Japan. There's street. It feels a bit like the Warriors, because there's these very fantastical, colorful street gangs. Yeah. And these are the Tokyo tribes, <laughs> and a war happens. Um, Ricky Takuchi swallow. I mean, he makes Million look very subtle. <laughs> uh, uh, as, as as Lord Buppa. Yeah, I definitely want to see this. I. I, mean, I so I remember seeing stills from this over the past couple of years. I remember thinking, man, I got to see that when it comes out. This film, I'll tell you, when I watched this, I wanted to post about 30 screenshots in the group. Yeah. I had to hold back. I, but I had to tell someone how great it was. I had to. So I said, Tanner, man, listen, you and CDR, you know, you guys got to see this. And I told Chris last night, I said, man, like, you guys got to see this film. I had to talk to someone about it. It is so much fun. It's neon. If this film was made in America, they would drop the ball because there'd be too much posturing and masculinity and kind of like yeah. machismo bullshit. It's so Japanese. And it's so amazing. And it's so much fun that everyone's going to sleep on this film and love Why Don't You Play in Hell, which is a good film, honorable mention. But this, I cannot wait. I wanna, when this Blu-ray comes out, man, we're going to review this film. And I cannot wait to talk about this film with you. It is so ridiculous. Can't wait to see it, yeah. Yeah, I remember I was going to try to cram uh, Why Don't You Play in Hell, but uh, didn't it's even good. get around It's good, it's cram-worthy. Yeah, didn't even get around to it. We should say Uncool Cat gave uh, the rover four out of five. So. That sounds like a, a fair <laughs> yeah. a fair statement for sure. And uh, He says it's like a modern crime and punishment. There you go. There you go. Love the Uncool Cat. Oh, yeah. The main appearance. I, I can't wait to see Tokyo Tribe. Yeah, I can't wait. I'm, I'm looking forward to that coverage, and I'm looking forward to watching a Sono film that isn't a hunt four hours long. Well, this is only two hours long. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so he's really cadawing it back. <laughs> he's lean and mean <laughs> yeah. with this one. But it's it's crazy, man. Three of my top seven films this year were Japanese, which I guess isn't crazy, but That's not crazy. it's nice to see them snatch the number one spot. It's good. You know, it's Italy. good. Yeah. I mean, I, I had no idea. I had no idea. So I, I, I didn't think too. you did. And I'll tell you, I kept going back and forth between it and Boyhood. Yeah, I mean, I remember seeing, like I said, I remember seeing the check-in post. Yeah. And I remember thinking, well, Sono, that could go either way. So, let's see. He really liked love exposure. So, and I know you liked, why don't you play in hell? But you told me, eh, you know. Cool. I didn't have a good yeah. He's one of the best filmmakers going, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He is really good. All right. My number one is by Let's another filmmaker, I think, that is one of the best filmmakers going. And, uh, yeah, this uh, this film surprised me. In so many ways. Um, stars Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, little Quebecois. Oh, nice. So, nice. Yeah. Number one. Yeah, number one is uh, Denis Villeneuve's Enemy. Amazing. I think this is the Jake Gyllenhaal movie of the year. Nice. Uh, I did not care too much for Nightcrawler. I liked it. Uh, fine. 
the performance was mainly what I liked about it. But it's it's kind of like Chopper for me, where the performance is so good, mm-hmm. but the rest of the movie is kind of just so rote and ordinary. That's a fair statement. I, I liked it more than you did. It's an honorable mention, but I think that's a very fair comparison. But it didn't make your top 30, right? No, it didn't. No, I didn't think it would. I mean, I, I, don't get me wrong. It's, it's, a, it's easily seven all day. But it's not... I, I, I think that the performance Joan Hall puts in as, as this character, as these characters, I think... Not, not, not the, the, the cinematography is great in Nightcrawler as well. Yeah, yeah, but I think the I think the cinematography in Enemy is pretty fucking exceptional as well. Oh no doubt, man. And Villeneuve is the real fucking deal. He sure is. He is the real fucking deal. I mean, Prisoners I didn't love, but I really liked. Yeah. And as in we know, yeah, in some D, we all know what I thought of that. So, I mean, I think he's brilliant, and I'm looking forward to anything he does going forward. This film is gorgeous. The acting is exceptional. Um, I don't know, man. I don't really, I don't really know what else to say. I mean, he, the film blew me away in so many ways. I mean, it just, I was riveted during the whole time watching this movie, and I can't wait to watch his next film. I mean, I am dying to see. He's got a film coming out called Sicario, uh, this year, and uh, it's got Emily Blunt, it's got Joe Barenthal, it's got Josh Brolin, oh, Benicio del Toro. That's an amazing cast. Barenthal's yeah. another guy you and I both like as an up and comer. Yeah. And it's a Mexican cartel film and stuff, but I just feel like Villeneuve wow. is gonna—he's gonna give us something. You know, he's gonna give us something special with that. I feel like he's that kind of filmmaker who could take, you know, he's—he's—he's he's, he's attached to a Blade Runner project, but I'm okay with that because I feel like Villeneuve is the kind of guy that I would want to see a Blade Runner project from. Yeah, totally. You know what I mean? Like if it was, you know, Peter Berg's Blade Runner project, then nah, I'm not, I'd not be okay. I'm, but yeah, I'm not too interested, okay. right? But if it's Denny Villeneuve's, you know, Blade Runner project, and now we're talking. I want to see what this is all about. Um, I think this film is great. I mean, I, I I was riveted. I this handles. I don't I don't really do I, do I want to get into the, no I don't want to get into the details. Uh, maybe I mean it does deal with doppelgangers. We can say that because it is in the plot synopsis. An actor sees an actor that looks like him in a film kind of blown away by that he kind of pursues it and everything goes from there but this film is even though that's the basic philosophy this film doesn't have anything to do with what the back end of the film does to your brain uh this has the final shot of the year for me oh man (laughs) the fucking final shot of the year i mean took my breath away when i saw it as as ludicrous and silly and freaky as it is it's still that moment. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's reaction. It was my reaction. Like, oh fuck you, Denny. You got me, man. Because uh, I was like, oh, that works so good. And it was just like warm water being poured over you, down your back. Nice. Yeah, it just felt great. And that uh, golden shower effect. Th- yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> that warm yogurt. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the Doctor Zom take a slumber Zom party. Yeah. <laughs> Stay off the camo couch. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, no, to get back to be serious, I think this is the Jake Gyllenhaal movie of the year. Uh, nice. I, and I do really like his performances because he does two different performances yeah, he does. in this film. I like those performances more than I like the Nightcrawler performance, but that's not to take away. I think Jake Gyllenhaal, had a, he had a great year. 
He did have a great year. And he, a year that's kind of getting ignored, which is a shame because... Yeah, he had a great year. Legit, man. Yeah, uh, what's his name? That other guy we talked about had a great year, that young David kid. David Loyal. Well, he had a good year, and so did that young kid. What was his name? Jack O'Connell, maybe? Something like that? Well, Jack O'Connell had an amazing year. Yeah, he had uh, those films. So, And I, and sadly, I never finished Startup. I just didn't get a chance oh, to. Oh, man, so. bummer. But I, I know that Startup... It would either be in my bronze or silver, judging from the hour I've watched of it. Uh, nice. Uh, so but, intense, man. So yeah. raw. Great performance, though, by, from what I've seen by O'Connell. But he had a great year. I didn't see 71 as well, but I know a lot of people like that. And then, of course, Unbroken is the Angelina Jolie film. But, I mean, he just had a good year. He did. Um, but, yeah, man, Enemy. That's that's the real deal for me. And I'm not, I'm not slighting. Like I said, I'm not slighting Nightcrawler. But I just if you put those two films next to each other, I'd, I'd take Enemy all day. Nice. I think you would too. I think I, I think we probably yeah. would review yeah, something would, like Enemy at some day, you know. And I, I, would. I would like to talk about it as well because I think there's a lot of layers to Enemy. Oh, there totally is. But yeah, that one snuck up on me. I really didn't, you know. I haven't forgotten about it since I watched it, and it still makes me smile when I think about it. So yeah, it is a good one. It's a very good indeed. One. All right, man. That is <laughs> that is it. That is the top ten films of 2014 from. Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema. Did, did the intro say 2014 or 2015? I think it said 2014, which is correct. I think it, uh, I'm feeling like it said 2015. And I'm feeling it like would I'd, still be correct because it's technically 2015, yeah, but I'm, the films are from 2014. Yeah, I feel like I typed that too to tell Alyssa to say that, which would make me a nincompoop. Anyway, but yeah, that's it. Top 10. There's, 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 that's the gold. So that's out of the way. Let's get into our silvers and our bronzes. Uh, Let's take a quick break before I bronze in my shorts. (laughs) Whoa. Or or gold in my shorts. (laughs) Yeah, either way. I hope neither one of them are silver. No, that's right. And I got bigger problems, man. So what's going on? That hiatus. (laughs) We'll take a quick break. Okay, one second. All right. All right, so let's get into our silvers, and uh, then we'll do the bronze. I'll let you go ahead and do your silver, nope, in particular order or no particular order, whichever way you want to do. Uh, I'll do them in order. I, I, I put them in an order. So, okay. Uh, my number eleven is a film that was year number two of the year, J.C. Chandor's *A Most Violent Year*. Nice. Yeah, for all the reasons you said, man, this film's tremendous. I feel like I was really baffled that everyone was like, "Oh man," but I think part of it came from an ad campaign that made it look like a like seventies gangster film. And yeah, yeah, yeah. The care. It's funny because. And I guess what plays into the title in some ways, the year was the most violent year in New York, but the character of uh, Abel or Abel is very much opposed to violence. Yeah. Which yeah. adds a sort of irony, but he's his hands forced with some things. So that's my number 11, a fine, fine film. Okay. We're going to go back and forth? Okay, cool. Oh, do you want to do, a, do it? Oh, we don't have to. It's no, no, no. It's fine. It's fine. I can do it. I'm ready. My number 11 was a revenge thriller that I think was great and well done. Very low budget called Blue Ruin. Oh, nice. thought this film was exceptional. It didn't rewrite the book, but man, it wrote it just fine for me. Performances are good and the direction is solid. And uh, yeah, man, I think it's I think it's a great film. Another director to watch. I can't remember what else he had done. He'd done one of the thing, I think. Oh, what was it? Murder Party. Murder which, Party, yeah, yeah. Good little, fun little kind of horror comedy. Yeah, so. and then he kind of disappeared. He couldn't get no money for anything for a while, yeah. so... It's too bad. Jeremy Saulnier or something? Yeah, Jeremy Saulnier, I think is his name, yeah. Yeah. My number 12 is a film that I, it was in your top five, was it three or four? Guy Pierce, Robert Pattinson. Nice. Yeah, I really (laughs) love this one, man. Again, I didn't understand a lot of the hate, but film's subjective, I guess, but. Yeah, yeah. I I really dug it. I thought it was fantastic, and yeah, it, it only solidified what I already thought about Australian film and about Pierce and Pattinson, so, you know, very good stuff. 
Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, my number twelve was in your top ten, uh, Force Majeure. Nice, really, nice. I really loved it quite a bit, man. It, it was really, really good. You told me to cram it. I'm glad I did. Uh, I love the way it deals with masculinity and femininity, uh, and marriage, <laughs> and marriage, and <laughs> yeah, it's. And you know what was wild about it was the dude that plays his buddy was like you and I spoke about was the was like the Wildings. Like uh, second in command, and yeah, Game like of the Thrones. general, yeah, like the war general guy, yeah, yeah. <laughs> amazing beard, yeah, yeah, great, like uh, Nordic beard, kind of great uh, Scandinavian look. The second best red beard we know, other than Kelly Baird, yes, it's true, but uh, very similar to him when it comes to walking into a Blu ray shop, <laughs> just tearing through the racks, yeah, man. <laughs> uh, nice. Number 13 is my second documentary. Um, I saw it in the summertime. I hadn't heard a whole lot about it. It's on Netflix Instant, and it really walloped me. I watched it with my mom. It's uh, Let the Fire Burn. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember you talking about this one. Yeah, this one was really something else, man. Uh, History of the Conflict of the City of Philadelphia and the Black Liberation Organization move led to the disastrously violent final confrontation in 1985. So some of our listeners like Jason and Sean and Eric Seifert, who are from the area, and they're familiar with this stuff. And uh, again, it's a timely documentary. Uh, it really you know, enraged me. It made me think. It, it does the thing that a lot of great documentaries, a lot of great films do. So high, high recommend for me. And yeah, like I said, it's on instant for everyone to check out. Nice. Uh, th- okay, thirteen, right? Thirteen. Uh, my yeah, number thirteen is uh, another one that was released on Netflix uh, this year. So bravo to them, and that was Battered Bastards of Baseball. Nice, uh, great documentary uh, about Bing Russell and his semi-pro baseball team. Uh, great story, and it's a great fun documentary. Not he- not too heavy-handed. Uh, just kind of like a uh, good breeze. Charming, fun. yeah. Always great to see baseball players smoking cigarettes at the end of the game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, good stuff. But, yeah, I recommend for me. Definitely check it out. Netflix produced that one, right? Like that was a Netflix original. I think so. I think so. Yeah, they've done some good stuff this year. Uh, my number 13. Oh, I already talked about number 14. Oh, were you done? I didn't want to cut in there. No, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm done. And my number 14 is one you already mentioned. Um, I love when when sci-fi is a bit more heady and looks at humanity um, and questions sort of humanity and society and some of the inner workings of those things and and uh, philosophy. I think I like when it adds all that stuff and it is much more heady, like THX and things like that. Um, and it's uh, Glazer's Under the Skin, man. Nice. It's, it's a, just a wonderful film. There's so much, so much imagery in that film that still sticks with me. And, uh, Talked with my dad the other day, and he really dug it too. It, it's it's just a fantastic film, and I think Scarlett, um, she's really good, man. Like she is smart enough; like she'll do popcorn films, but she's got a pretty good serious resume too. And I think she knows her range. I don't think she's the greatest actress ever, but she is a very good actress, and she's smart about the people she works with. So yeah, yeah. And God, she's got a great voice, and she's an unbelievably beautiful woman. She is. She is. And this has some that has some unbelievably beautiful shots. I love the way people walk into the liquid. Just gorgeous. Oh man. Just yeah. gorgeous stuff. Kubrick would have been proud. Sure would have. <laughs> um my number was it fourteen? Yeah, I guess it's fourteen. Yeah. Is uh Jodorowsky's Dune. 
I quite loved it. Uh, we all know why. We talked about it quite a bit, so I don't need to go into a lot of details about it. I know we have a friend attached to it, um, but it is a great film otherwise as well. I really enjoy listening. I could listen to Jodorowsky read a fucking grocery list and be enthralled. So And be inspired yeah. to do a grocery list. Yeah, like my next grocery list would be the most amazing grocery list. And I would go Absolutely. for it because these clackers are my warriors. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, you know... <laughs> Absolutely. That was my Jodo impersonation. I hope it was pretty good. <laughs> I, I do want to say full disclosure. I meant to say when I started my my list, two films that I've I've sort of put in a special category as being exempt because I don't I just I couldn't I couldn't place them on the list where I wanted to. They're both very worthy of top thirty. They're both worthy of you know top twenty really even earlier than that. But it's uh, our good friend Stephen who produced Jodorowsky's Dune, which is an exciting film and. It's a film that inspires you, and you can see the inspiration behind Jodorowsky. And I think it's very exciting. But it's Jodorowsky's Dune, and then Mike Malloy's Eurocrime, which finally saw release this year. For lovers of the genre, I mean, he is so detailed, and, and the passion and intelligence he puts into the and the context he puts into the genre is really commendable. So I just I didn't want to. Uh, I was kind of in a weird spot with those. I didn't know where to put them. And full disclosure, we have really dear friends who we admire. Um, that made them so I just a sort of special exempt uh, category. Um, so my number fifteen, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Be fifteen. My number fifteen um, was one that I'd heard some good things about, and I've been very vocal about my disdain, not disdain, but I'm very apprehensive about film from this region because I feel like it's very much controlled. But I've found there's been some filmmakers doing some really interesting things. I think I might have left off a film from this region on my list, actually, now that I think about it. But um, it's China, mainland China, and it's Black Coal, Thin Ice. Oh, yeah. I remember that title. You will love this film when you see it. It's one that I, when I saw it, I was like, man, i got to talk about this with Sammy. An ex-cop and his partner decide to follow up on an investigation of a series of murders that ended their careers and shamed them when identical murders begin again. Shot in northern China, features a lot of ice, features a lot of coal. Feels very Coen Brothers, um, beautifully shot. It's one that I do want to review on the show with you sometime because I think there's a lot for us to talk about. I, I would be confident that you would love this film. Nice, nice. Yeah, I do love the title. Uh, okay, my number fifteen is The Drop, a film that nice. I found quite enjoyable. A really solid crime film uh, from a Scandinavian filmmaker. <laughs> uh, shot in Brooklyn. Uh, around Brooklyn or New York, it felt real. It felt great. It felt true, and uh, you know, it also felt uh, a bit melancholy because of the fact that it was James Gandolfini's one of his last performances, and he is very exceptional in the movie. But Tom Hardy, again, proving he's one of the best actors working. He had a great year as well. We should say yeah. uh, Locke didn't make my top thirty, but it was a great performance. Yep, uh, and this performance is great as well. Uh, I really like this film. It doesn't it doesn't break any new boundaries or anything. It's pretty much straight up crime film. But I really enjoyed it and looking forward to seeing it again someday. I'd like to review that one at some point because I really think there's some things to talk about there. Yeah, there is. And we should say, as you and I both said, uh, Matthias Schoenertz, Belgian actor, Bullhead, uh, puts in a really great performance. All of the leads in it, excluding Gandolfini, are, are European. Yes. So. It's amazing. You wouldn't yeah, know amazing. that if you see it. And also, I, I, I want to put this out there. I think I may be in love with Naomi Rapace. Oh, really? I'm yeah. surprised. Usually we're on the same wavelength with chicks, and she doesn't really well, light I, my fire. I don't know. She does something for me. I don't know what it is. 
Mm, interesting. Maybe it's the cheekbones and the thin eyebrows because you like Tilda. Yeah, I like the nose quite a bit too. The oh, nose nice. is nice. Uh, nice. Yeah, you know, we could get into all kinds of details, but I like her voice as well. So I like her yeah, voice yeah. a lot. I think she's really good in the film too. Nice. Very nice. Um, okay, my number 16 is a film that I don't think anyone else has fucking got a chance to see. And it's a shame because I can't wait to talk about it. Uh, it was at TIFF. It's made by a Belgian filmmaker who I think is very talented. But I haven't always loved, well, I've only ever only seen, truthfully, one other of his films. And it was Vignan. It's Fabrice Duwell's Hallelujah. Oh, yeah, Hallelujah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is a remake of the Honeymoon Killers um, murder case, I guess. Yeah. And film. And this really walloped me. I went to see it with my wife. And we went to see this and I think Nightcrawler the same night. I think this one's really good. I feel like it's shot in this really kind of extremely close-up kind of uh, like Super 8. It's grainy. Uh, Lola Duenas, who as I said when I reviewed it for The Midnight Ride, <laughs> she is uh, a Spanish actress from Barcelona. <laughs> works with uh, a Pedro Almodovar quite a bit. She always plays a quirky, cute sidekick. She crushes it in this film. I mean, she is so good. This feels like this film is a raw nerve um, that's just getting struck. And uh, Elena Noguera, beautiful Belgian actress, is in it. I mean, she's breathtaking. You would love it. You'd flip your lid for her. Nice. Uh, Lauren Lucas is good in it. He's got a really big set of chompers, man. <laughs> um, yeah. He's uh, he's a good actor too. It just it's a really good film, and I can't wait for people to start seeing it because it's tr- it's really fantastic. Some of those films, man, some of those uh, European films from, you know, some of the stuff we've seen from TIFF, we still haven't seen here, right? We still haven't seen oh, it released man. on home video. It's crazy. That's been, what, six, seven years ago, and we still haven't seen it. It's Ridiculous. nuts. It's, you know, it's just insane. I mean, obviously, it's out there if you want to look for it. But. Yeah, but some of them even aren't. Like, that one, I don't think is. Like, there's so many films I didn't get a chance to see. I was just heartbroken, like Good Night, Mommy, uh, my own uh, compatriot, uh, Xavier Dolan's Mommy. I didn't get to see um, uh, uh, what is it? Over your dead body, I guess. The new Takeshi Miike. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. I didn't get to see Tribe, the Ukrainian film. I was just burning up to see all those. I didn't get to, but um, there's always for next year. Yeah, I wanted to see Tribe as well. That was oh, one man, that was yeah. on my list. All right, number what are we on? 11, 12, number 13, 14, 15, 16? 16, 16, yeah. yeah. My number sixteen was German film Wetlands. Film oh about. man, I never saw this. This is on instant, right? Yeah, it's on instant. Uh, wow, does. I didn't know. This is totally like <laughs> stealth under the radar. Yeah, Sammy. it's good stuff. It was uh, good. It starts out as kind of like this. It's very gross in some ways because it deals with dirtiness and uh, very bad hygiene. Has some truly appalling moments in it, but I also found it very funny and very touching. Um, I put it on my Netflix queue. Yeah, there's one scene. <laughs> it's not a spoiler, but there's one scene in here where they. Uh, get it. Uh, get a. Uh, they swap tampons, and one of them gets stuck, and they pull it out with a pair of uh meat pinchers. You know those those tongs you use to oh, cook man. ribs. And then the next scene, you see the father cooking with the ribs. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, pretty great, man. No, but uh, this was a divisive film too in the community. It was divisive, and I can see why it is divisive. First of all, there's a lot of appalling stuff in it. I mean, it really does deal with. If you're a germaphobe, be prepared. 
So is this one I should not watch with my mother? I take it. No, no, no. Don't watch. Don't don't watch this with your mom. Well, you know, I mean, it depends on what your mom's into. But I don't, I don't think she's. Oh man, I don't want to know what my mom's into. Yeah, I don't know if you want to know that. No, yeah. I wouldn't. No, no. I'm telling you right now. Don't watch this with your mom. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking of some of the other moments in oh, the film. Man. There's some pretty. There's some pretty gross stuff in here, man. But I'm gonna watch it with my wife though. It seems like a cool one to watch with my wife. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, th- I think I think she would. Uh, actually, I think she would enjoy. It. The film is actually very touching. And uh, I actually had a little bit of a tear coming down my eye there. One, uh, which eye? Your third eye? Or... <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. But uh, oh, nice uh, man, that's good to hear. I'm but glad. it was really good. It was funny and it was uh, transgressive and all those things. And yeah, I mean, I recommend it. I definitely think people should check it out. I think it's going to piss some people off and gross some people out. But I that's good. The the ele- yeah, I think the element of the film is you know it's it the elements of the film are, are very important to talk about. I really do. Nice. And deals with family quite a bit. And I don't think people have talked about that angle. I think all they've talked about is the the, the bad hygiene and the ideas there. Uh, you know, this girl's talking about how, you know, the more her her vagina smells, the more men like it. And that well, I don't know about that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Can't get down with that. I, I have a yeah, I have a theory on that too. But uh, you know, she's got this theory and blah blah blah, and but really, the film to me is about you know broken family and and working through that and stuff, and it's very interesting. Cool. So that people should definitely check it out. That's awesome. Man. It just has this uh, very transgressive wrapping around it. <laughs> nice. Yeah, but I think you see that sometimes. A film can be touching and um, sincere and and kind of sensitive about yeah. some things and honest but still be gross and when it's wrapped up in that yeah. gross kind of or kind of transgressive wrapping people kind of they get they get kind of twisted about which direction the film should like yeah. they, they kind of can't look at the core of the film anymore they get too kerfuffled they're discombobulated yeah. over the has, has kind a, of tampon the scene of the year that made me wince is in this film too so oh wow you know, I watch it on Tuesday with my wife then yeah involves shaving an asshole so be prepared oh, amazing <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I gotta watch it. It's amazing what is on Netflix uh, for people for the for like here where I'm at in the South and further for you know the Bible Belt. If people were really paying attention, and it's almost like the library, you know, if people really paying yeah. attention to what's in books, because most people think that most people don't read, they don't do anything. <laughs> so yeah. Netflix has kind of become that where you know you can see basically, I mean everything. I mean, I've I've seen stuff on Netflix that's basically. I mean, Nine Songs was on there, the Michael Winterbottom film that had porn in it, so I had people really having sex, and and it was just you know, ma. It's amazing nice. what Netflix has kind of gotten away with there. Oh yeah, even uh, stuff like um, oh, what's it called there, Nymphomaniac. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm interested to hear what you think of those two films, by the way. Yeah, well, you might later on. Oh, nice, um, nice, nice. Uh, next up, back-to-back Belgian films for me. I'm surprised this one wasn't further up your list if it even made your list. Or if you even considered it for 14, but I did. Because I think the, the release came out in 2014. It's on my list. But oh, it's, okay. It's you know where I'm going with this. Yeah, it's not in my silver, but it's uh, it's in the bronze. This director has the most fun name to say out of all the directors <laughs> yeah. on our list. Yeah, he does. It's Alex Van Warmerdam's <laughs> Borgman. Yes, Van Warmerdam. <laughs> and one of my favorite posters of the year, too. Oh, yeah, it's a great poster. I love that poster. Look, it almost looks like um, like the cutouts of the paper people almost look like um, uh, Fantastic Planet or Savage Planet or Fantastic Planet, the uh, French animated film by Laloux, is it? Yeah, is that Savage Planet? I think it's Savage Planet, right? Savage Planet? Must be. Maybe. Planet Sauvage, yes. Savage Planet, yeah, 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 yeah that's gotta go. be it. 
but this is a fantastic film. We we covered it on the show, so I won't go too much in depth on it, but it really stuck with me. And it's kind of it kind of I think talks about some of the things you just mentioned with Wetlands. I think some of my favorite kinds of films to watch now are transgressive art house. Yeah. Um yeah. that are intellectual, but they can get at the core of of humanity or certain societal ills or social commentary in a stylish and abstract way. Mm-hmm. And this film touches on a lot of that stuff. Yes. And it's got some great performances. And Belgium, I mean, they consistently are like the little country that could every year it seems like I get one, two or three Belgian films on my list. Yeah. So yeah. always good stuff. Uh, always a country I'm looking for material from. Yeah, definitely, man. Yeah. Uh, my next one is, what was it, 16, 17? What is it? I can't <laughs> You're on 17, yes. There we go, yeah, 17. Uh, my next one is 17 is Night Will Fall, a documentary. It's about uh, World War II. Um, oh, nice. I, I wanted to see this. Um, back in uh, the 40s, about 44, 45, uh, Alfred Hitchcock was hired to go shoot uh, some of the um, you know freeing of these concentration camps. And uh, he didn't. He, he was there for some of it, not all of it. But he was looking at the footage and stuff. But a lot of people thought all this footage was lost. But somebody found it. And they kind of put it all together and stuff. And it's some of the worst uh, concentration camp footage you'll ever see. Um, pretty, pretty brutal. Pretty, pretty brutal. Uh, yeah. And yeah, I don't want to make any jokes or anything, it's because you know it's just material I don't want to joke about. But it's just, uh, it's just awful. Um, I try with uh, one reason why I say that I was going to try to lighten it up because I was sitting there thinking about how brutal it was, but sometimes you know you just don't want to use the joke, right? Yeah. <laughs> sometimes no, it's, sure. it's not appropriate. Yeah, I hear you. Man. Uh, this didn't feel like an appropriate joke, but uh, maybe between friends, but not 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 on the air. Yes. Uh, but either way, this is some uh, harrowing stuff. I mean, it's it's pretty brutal, and it just deals. It, it shows you a lot of the humanity of uh, these people that were put in these camps because there's a lot of one-on-one footage and. Some of the survivor people are still alive, and, and when they made this documentary, it's directed by Andre Singer. Um, it's a short documentary, 75 minutes. Uh, if you have HBO Go, it's there, uh, the streaming service. Um, I'm sure it's available other ways. Obviously, almost everything is nowadays. But um, it's worth a watch. It's just, it's not, uh, you know, I wouldn't be eating a meal while watching it, which is what I started to do, and then eventually put away the sandwich. Oh, man. It's kind of appalling. You know, I mean, it's just... You know, you know me. You know, man's humanity, inhumanity, and man is probably the most fascinating subject to me, for me, yep. uh, which is why I think I like nihilistic cinema so much and and things like that. But some stuff just kind of gets to you a little bit. And uh, I hadn't that watched was- I hadn't watched any concentration camp stuff in years. I mean, I I went through a phase like I think a lot of curious kids do, where I wanted to see a lot of that stuff and see what went down and what that was all about. But I felt like I had, you know, I felt like I had seen that. You know, I didn't mm-hmm. see it anymore, but I was glad I saw this because this was footage supervised by Alfred Hitchcock. So it has a little bit more of a cinematic feel to it, even though it's very real. So very interesting. Nice. Uh, my number 18 is one we already talked about a little bit. Sadly, you didn't get to finish it. Um, it's a film that I, as soon as I saw it, I texted you. I'm like, yo, you really need to cram start up. Yeah. yeah. Um, because I I was really really impressed by it. I'd heard great things I I'd, I'd been sitting on it forever, um, I had seen seventy one maybe a month or two prior maybe a little more than that maybe three or four months prior and I was like man Jack O'Connell's the real deal yeah, he's good and he is so good in startup I mean he is like this this ball of anger and oh man this film is so good Ben Mendelsohn's tremendous. 
you know, again, looking at man's inability sometimes to how men can be creatures of, of, of action more than words and how that their inability to communicate sometimes can have some unfortunate circumstances. Um, it's a really exceptional piece and, uh, Man, yeah, I'll be looking more to what. Well, of course, O'Connell, he's kind of become the man of the hour. Uh, but David McKenzie, the director, um, looks like he did Hallam Foe, which I know some people like. And, you know, he's done a few other things, I guess, back overseas that I'll have to maybe look into. But I'm very curious to see what he does next because this is a fantastic film. Yeah, he did Young Adam, man. Little uh, Ewan McGregor, Tilda Swinton, full frontal nudity. Yeah, it's a good movie, man. Oh, I wonder if I saw that. <laughs> One of the movies made me fall in love with Tilda Lou there, man. Dare I haven't Bay. seen that. Oh, nice. It's, I haven't seen that. It's not Peter Mullins in that one, too. Emily Mortimer. Yeah, it's not that. great. He's actually in a guilty pleasure. He actually did a Ooh, guilty Rory McCann's in that. The Hound is in that. Yeah. He actually uh, did a guilty pleasure film for me. Uh, that uh, it's funny. I think Wes sent me as far to, as part of a as fart as fart of a uh, <laughs> as part of a, a, a Kringle. Uh, I think he sent it to me thinking he could unload, you know, this film that he doesn't really care for, maybe. Uh, but it's actually a f- movie that it's the movie that I just uh, enjoy, and it's a spread. It stars Ashton Kutcher and Anne Heche. <laughs> oh, nice! A, it's a very sexual film, and uh, I have a thing for Anne Heche. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. I don't. don't I don't know. Don't color me weird. But that's the heart it. wants what it wants. Yeah. But anyway, David McKenzie he does nudity really well because Young Adam is. He handles it really well. I haven't seen all of his films, but I've seen Young Adam, I've seen Spread, and I've seen most of Startup. Nice. Tonight Your Mind, what is that? Oh, yeah, I meant to see that. It's about some uh, music stars that get handcuffed together. Well, I'll tell you, here's a little bit of serendipity. You and I need to see that because I, I track that film down because if you look for one of the two leads in it, Look who the lead is, the female lead in it, the fourth name down. Looking there now, hang on, give me a second here. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, yeah, there we go. Our oh. girl, Natalia Tenna, man. Yeah. That wilding. <laughs> Ooh, that Ming. wilding. Ooh. Yeah. Naughty. Oh, we're going to have to see that, man. If he, does, if he does nudity well, and she's <laughs> yeah. the star of the film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly my point. Nice. Uh, all right, my number 18 is Boyhood. Not a lot more to say about it. I nice. talked quite a bit about it earlier. Uh, it would have been further up the list, I think, maybe, but I saw it so recently that I didn't have yeah. enough time for it to simmer. But I am mm-hmm. glad I got it in because I think it is brilliant. Me I think too. as time goes on, I'll like it even more. Uh, so, yeah, very exceptional. I don't understand the kind of backlash from some about No, it. I don't, and I think I see so much of myself in the film, and I, I see so much of my kids, and then that starts to really – put a lump in my throat seeing my kids growing up mm-hmm. and the passage of time and how it seems so fluid and elusive and happens so quickly. Yeah. You always hope you're going to be one step ahead of your kids and when they got the uh, the Sears catalog or the Victoria's Secret, but you never know. Oh, there's that scene in this one, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And of course, nowadays you got to deal with online porn, so that's a whole other problem. Yeah, so. there's no more National Geographics, mm-hmm. man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Might be why I have a fascination with the SAG there, buddy. Yeah, man, the old saddlebags. Um, my number 19 is an amazing film. <laughs> I would love to talk about it with you. It's made by one of the masters of absurd cinema. He is from Japan. His name is Satoshi Matsumoto, and the film is R100. Oh, yeah, yeah, you talked about that. Man, this film's something else. This this 
salary man basically joins a mysterious club where they, they tell him the membership's going to last for one year. And the only rule is there's no cancellation under any circumstances. What happens is that just completely random moments in his day, these uh, dominatrixes will show up and humiliate him. <laughs> <laughs> and it's fucking ridiculous. Um, it's really good. So this and, is but, called, what's this called again? Our West Virginia? Our... <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, it's Ar- really good though. Arzambola? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, this one's really good though. It and again, I think it says a lot more than just sort of the absurdity. It talks about family and love and acceptance. Um, <laughs> it, it says a lot. Uh, certainly. So, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking because you you told me you said it was something else, and when when people say that kind of thing to me, I'm like, well, I got to see that, don't I? I yeah. Gotta, it's fun. So, yeah, that's my number 19. <laughs> uh, my number 19 is Citizen Four, the documentary about Edward oh, Snowden. Oh, I didn't get to see this, unfortunately. Yeah. It's uh, very good. Uh, I know Paul, he, he was wondering what I'd think of it because he feels like it uh, basically was telling everything's been told. But what the interesting thing about the documentary was that Snowden was smart enough to know that his life was pretty much going to be over in some ways. So he was contacting filmmakers and stuff before he even released the information. So you kind of see it before he, he becomes Edward Snowden and you kind of see it all unfold. Like you see the first reports go out and then you see everything start to go nuts in this Hong Kong hotel room. It's pretty crazy. We should say that's on instant. It is. And uh, I believe it's on a lot of places uh, online to watch for free. Uh, just you know, kind of Google search it. A lot of services have it up to watch for free right now. So definitely check it out. It's uh, oh, worth. I a thought watch. it was on Netflix. Maybe it's not. I don't know if it is. I know it's on HBO Go. I know, it, and I know a lot of uh, streaming websites and some even blogs are carrying it. Like uh, you know, people are trying to get it out there. And we should say it did win best uh, documentary Oscar. Did win the Oscar. Yeah, it did. And rightfully I so. I think uh, you know. I don't want to get into the details here, but I think it's going to be an important film going forward. By the way, did yeah. you look at look at Start Up and did you uh, did you notice the writer's name? What an unfortunate name that is. I got to look right now. Then yeah, you got to, you got to. I, I can't tell you because it's not as funny as if you read it. That's just unfortunate though. Yeah, my wife gets upset about my last name sometimes, but Jesus, oh man, it could be so much worse. <laughs> I'm going to leave that for writer for uh, from writers for uh, our listeners to uh, Google. Yeah. That is a rough name. That's a bad one there, man. That's a bad deal. Yeah, it is. His first writing credit, too. Oh, man. Not the first time his name has been commented on, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, Jeez. I mean, it's unfortunate. It's an unfortunate. I mean, you know, hey, more power to him. I'm glad he keeps his last name. But. Yeah. Oh, it's certainly. Certainly. Um, my number 20, I, spoke, I sort of referenced this country earlier and how they'd kind of uh, redeemed themselves in my eyes. Not even redeemed themselves, but good sense of... I kind of was like, okay, cool, maybe they are worth checking out, and I'm not going to have this knee-jerk reaction to avoid their stuff because of it being very nationalistic and sort of censored. Uh, it's from mainland China, directed by Lu Yi, and it's called Blind Massage. This oh, one's yeah, yeah. really good, man. Yeah, yeah, I remember you uh, posting this. It's about um, the employees of a Nanjing massage parlor. Uh, they're all blind. And it's a very tender drama. It deals with their day-to-day lives. I think they shoot it in a way that tries to give you some insight into their lives and how they live and kind of the tender moments and the day-to-day moments, the mundane. And it's, it's, and this is a real thing. Like there's a lot of these massage parlors with these, these blind masseuses and, uh, 
in China, and it's really good. I, uh, you know, all real deal. I mean, I think there's a few actors in it that are are actual actors, and they're not blind, but um, a few of the principals are actually blind uh, in real life. But the ones that aren't, you wouldn't know. I mean, they do a really good job. Wow. Um, it's it's tender. It it handles it with a lot of dignity. I really dug this film. It's kind of a quiet film, but um, I would encourage people to see if they can track it down. Yeah. To me, you know, I'm thinking Blind Masseuse, you know, I'm thinking a different type of movie altogether. <laughs> well, when I was talking, I thought, oh, man, I got to watch what I say here because I'm going to be creating some innuendos thereby. <laughs> oh, man. Is that your arm? Uh, sure, yeah. it's my arm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I got a cramp on my uh, yeah. forearm. Your arm is getting really stiff, Mr. Samurai. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's shaped like a katana blade. Yeah. <laughs> With a German soldier's helmet. You have a sheet still. Uh, anyway, uh, okay, my number 20. Um, I just think, you know, I was sitting there thinking, you know, I'm glad it's handled tenderly because, yeah, blind masseuses, that could go wrong. And it, it seems like in American hands, that film would go a totally different way. <laughs> well, it seemed like in Hong Kong hands. We always joke about Hong Kong being. All like, thumbs yeah. and clumsy with. Yeah, I feel like Japanese would have handled it differently. Definitely. They, they, no, they would have. No, I think Japanese could have handled it with grace in some filmmakers' hands, but other ones they could have handled it. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, oh boy, indeed. All right. Anyway, let me get back to what I'm talking about here. Um, number twenty for me is Frank, the film with the big oh, fake man, head. I didn't get to cram it. Yeah. Uh, Michael Fassbender playing a character named Frank, inspired by, um, I believe a character in Eng- on English TV named Frank Sidebottom, I believe was his name. I can't remember the name. It kind of inspired by that. It's really interesting, the film, because it really kind of deals with um, perception of popularity and perception of, you know, music. Uh, Frank Sidebottom, yeah, that was the character that was on uh, English TV. Very annoying character. Um, anyway... Uh, Frank is a very odd bird, to say the least, and the film is very odd, <laughs> to say the least. But I found it incredibly touching. I'm not going to lie to you. I found it incredibly touching. I mean, I really, really loved the way it paid off, and the game got a little emotional, so I really liked it. And Michael Fassman is great. I mean, you you don't see him much in the movie at all, um, but uh, he's such a great actor that you know it's him, that's for sure. Um, so, yeah, I loved it. Uh, very good movie. I thought it was going to be kind of a kind of a cutesy independent type thing you know it kind of felt that yeah, way yeah 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 i thought that too but it it, it has a different feel than that and uh, i recommend people check it out yes nice. that's 20 let's get into that's the end of the silvers that's the silvers yeah no, we've done no the problem. silvers and the golds and we've even talked about zomb we haven't talked about any loaf so now we get loaf the mustache <laughs> let's get to 21 so 21 uh, finally finally at, at 21 this country that seems to be closest to probably both of our cinematic arts in some respects is not going to be denied um it's my first italian film on the list and it's one that uh i think it won some awards in europe kind of a quiet film alice Rohrocker, italian act uh, italian i have to believe of german descent but um italian director she did Corporal Celeste a few years prior. Mm. Uh, it's The Wonders. I don't know if I'd said that. If I said it, I'm saying it again. The film's so nice, I named it twice. Um, really good film. I believe I, I told Jay about this, and he dug it. Frank Shemp. It's nice. kind of a coming-of-age story, really. It's about um, Gelsomina and her three younger sisters. They're in rural Italy. And 
Sam Lewick, the Belgian actor who was in Ex Drummer. He's one that uh, the kid, actually, I want to say what happened, but if I mention he had a child in that film. Oh, yeah. And the Hoyman, he was also in 22nd of May. Um, he plays the father. His Italian's pretty impressive. Nice. Um, they make him out to be someone who's moved to Italy though, but his Italian is pretty good, but Monica Bellucci's in it, um, in a small performance, but it's, it's kind of looks at this rural, um, this bee farming family and how one summer she kind of comes of age and it's very sweet and it's handled well. It, it looks at the world through kind of kids eyes or she's about 15. Maybe this girl you can see starting to blossom into being a young woman. And uh, I think it hits all the right notes. Um, there's this really ridiculous kind of like, uh, game show that comes to town they want to get like you know a local a local person with a great kind of story um make us you know make a thing about their 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 lives and what they do for a living and stuff and so she convinces her family to go on the show and it's it's really good man i uh i quite liked it i i think it's it's one of my favorite f- you know female performances from um uh maria Ilungu. I think she's she's a natural on screen, and and uh, I highly recommend people check it out. Nice, nice. I don't think Italy made my my list this year. Italy didn't get in there this year. That shut out. I got one more on my list from Italy. Nice. Um, but this film did make my list. Uh, Tilda made my list. Only Lovers Left Alive, number twenty one. Oh yeah, this was in my list last year because I managed to see it yeah, right before. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I left some out that I should say for full disclosure would have made my list because they fell into a gray zone. Yeah. Uh, Lewin Davis, uh, Wolf of Wall Street, and uh, there's one other one I'm not mentioning. I'm forgetting right now, but those are a couple of them, the ones that uh, would have gotten in there. But they kind of fell Both of those made my top 30 last year. Yeah. And they would have made my top 30 too, but they kind of fell into that gray area that sometimes films, so a couple of films fall into sometimes. I felt like I got everything in I needed to get in this year, but. That I needed to get in, not everything yes. I wanted to get in. So, uh, well, but only lovers left alive. Uh, great performances from uh, Swinton and uh, Hiddleston. Tom Hiddleston, he's Hiddleston. really good, man. Yeah. And uh, Mia Wasachowska, whatever her name is. One of my favorite young actresses, Wasachowska. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is great. Uh, it, it was a good movie, man. I really liked it. Jarmusch uh, hit on all cylinders. A vampire film that I look forward to revisiting, uh, and I like the way it handles vampirism and. And loners and hipsters and all that kind of stuff. Vampires are like the hipsters of the underworld. Uh, yeah. But I really enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, it's brilliant. I thought it was great, too. I know Scott and Kat didn't dig it as much as we did. But Jarmusch is a guy that as he goes on, it's weird. Like, I really like his late stuff. Like, I don't know anyone else that loved uh, Limits of Control as much as I did. Yeah, that's right. But, I never I never saw that one. I mean, I've been meaning to see that. That's the one with Tilda with the blonde wig, right? Tilda with the blonde wig. It's got uh, Isaac DeBancol in it. It's his riff on Le Samurai. Oh, nice. Yeah, I need to check it's that out. It's very cool. Um, but no one seems to talk about it or love it, but I love Jarmusch. He's one of my favorite American filmmakers. He's good. Very unique voice. And uh, he didn't do the American. No, he didn't. It kind of feels a bit Jarmusch-y at times. But. It does feel a bit Jarmusch-y at times. Not enough weird characters in there, but no. yeah, it does feel that way. No. Uh, my number 22 does feature a lot of weird characters. You've already mentioned it. Uh, it's the Battered Bastards of Baseball. Yeah, there's a lot of weird characters there, yeah. And this one's fantastic. This is a documentary. Like we said, it's on instant. Um, you don't have to be a sports fan to love this documentary. It's charming enough. And just to see this, you know, it's it's Kurt Russell's dad. He starts a minor league baseball team. These kind of lovable rogues that were on the team. Kurt Russell was the ball boy. I mean, it's just a different era altogether you know 70s lots of pot and weed and beer pot and weed are the same thing pot and <laughs> cigarettes and beer and yeah. acid and 
all sorts of wild stuff. And just just kind of a you know a look at this this little you know this team in Portland, Oregon that uh, kind of did things their own way, and it's it's a real cool story. Yeah, yeah, that's a great story. My um, number twenty two, right? Yes, twenty two. Yeah, is Bong Joon Ho's Snowpiercer. Nice. This is a good one. Didn't yeah. make my list, but it's an honorable mention. Yeah, I quite liked it. Uh, it's a little long in the tooth. Uh, a little heavy-handed too, but I enjoyed the story. Uh, the acting is superb. Oh yeah. Uh, the special effects do look a little shinsy in spots. I will agree with Ooh, that. But yeah, I think exteriors the train especially. Yeah, yeah. but I think that's fine. Uh, he limits those, and I think it gives you enough of a feel that that's all you need. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that nightclub scene. Uh, it's it's really oh, no, yeah. it's really good. I really liked it. Ed Harris in a silk robe cooking some steaks. It's amazing. Uh, yeah, you don't get that very often. Uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's it's an exceptional piece of uh, quote-unquote science fiction, although I feel like it's more like social fiction, really, in a way, kind of because it's hitting on things that are relevant today. It's, it's it's again, it's um, kind of popcorn science fiction. It's dressed up as such, but at its core, it's got social commentary, um, which, I, yeah, I, I quite like it. I think it was the best American film that a Korean filmmaker has done. Yes, and like I said, I, I'm one of the few people I know who's enjoyed all of the Korean American the the first films they've made. Yeah, I liked uh, Last Stand. I liked uh, Stoker. Stoker, and I liked uh, this one. Yeah. I think I may like this one the most. This one I think is far and away the best. Well, I haven't seen Last Stand, so I can't say for sure. Last Stand's a lot of fun. I mean, it's like Fast and Furious with graphic violence. I got to see it then, man. You just sold me on it. <laughs> the only thing bad about again, if there's anything bad about it, there's some strained comedy. And uh, yeah, from Johnny, there's some strained moments there, but then there are some silly Schwarzenegger moments. But outside of that, man, it's it's nasty. It's a it's nice. an incredibly graphic movie. I, I don't I don't think people realize how uh, violent that movie is. So yeah, very juicy. Nice. My number twenty three is from a filmmaker who's eighty six years old. Ah, just getting started. Just getting started. <laughs> He is, when he passes, it will be one of the saddest days for me as a film fan because I I think he's an inspiration above and beyond his film work. I think the way he lives life is inspirational. The passion he has, he did it his way. He's an intellectual. He's a philosopher. He's a poet. He's he's a lot of things. And that sounds cliche, but it's true. Um, He's a... (laughs) He's a lot of things. And uh, to his mother, he was Alejandrito. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which uh, features in one of the most memorable um, golden showers yes. in the history of cinema. Um, it's Alejandro Jodorowsky's The Dance of Reality. Yes. What a beautiful film. At his age, so many filmmakers, so many filmmakers 20 years younger than him lose their step. Indeed. 30 years younger than him lose their step. 86 years old, man. He's making beautiful, tender, honest films that are, still feel vital. I can't recommend this film enough, man. It, it's really – and he, his sons are in it. I mean, it's just such a wonderful legacy he's going to leave behind, you know, having his sons play him and his – it's just really fantastic. Mm, yes. I agree. Uh, it'll come up again soon. Nice. Some might wonder why we didn't put it in our silver and gold. I, I think it's a great film. I don't think it's his – best but it's still amazing that he's 86 years old and he still has the imagination that he has oh man it's beautiful and, and it has it, lost touch with yeah. cinema language 
has probably my favorite scene of the year because you know not every cool day shot. you get a large bosomed woman pissing on somebody's face it's well, amazing man yeah you and i both that's cinema a little bit more about us than uh, <laughs> we would have thought yeah that's a great scene man that's great cinema film. there boy uh, <laughs> my, uh, <laughs> that hide and seek yeah. oh yeah that's a game of hide and seek there yeah man. i need zom to see that movie <laughs> i want to hear that silver and gold review oh we do we gotta hear it <laughs> uh anyway um my number 23 is uh varunga the uh, netflix nice. released uh documentary about uh a gorilla sanctuary in uh, Africa. Uh, this movie was quite touching. I was surprised how touched I was by this movie. I felt really bad for that old gorilla. Oh, man. Uh, the one that was sick when he, uh, you know, heard the gunshots and stuff. And, well, uh, you know, I don't need to tell anybody. Just check it out. But scary movie? Uh, yes. Yes. When people sometimes ask me what scares me nowadays, it's stuff like this. I agree. Uh, very scary. It's not just about the gorillas, but it's about the human beings that take care of the gorillas. And uh, I think that one gentleman, he's very honorable. That one gentleman yes. that spends all of his time with those gorillas, he's a very honorable man. Mm-hmm. And he should be celebrated. He really should, if he's still alive, for Christ's sake. But I agree. Uh, what a what a real gentleman that guy is. What a real hero. And Yeah, I uh, agree. He is a hero. Yeah. Really touching stuff. And uh, bravo again to Netflix. I mean, a lot of people want to talk shit about him, but bravo to them for getting this available for people to see because I think it's an important subject people should check out. A hundred percent agree. It's an honorable mention for me. Yep. Yeah. Really, really great I fig- stuff. I figured you. Uh, I figured you dug it quite a bit. I didn't think it'd get oh, your top man. thirty, but I knew you liked it. it. Very, very good stuff. Like it's over an eight for me. It's really good stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up is another film that's on instant. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, and it's a bummer. I think you might not have because I think it's right up your alley. Uh, it's a filmmaker that's been around for about twenty-five years, maybe or so, and. He uh, he's from Sweden, and this film is "We Are Best," or in English, "We Are the Best." Oh yeah, you know what? I meant to cram. I tried to cram that, and I just never got around to it. But yeah, a couple people recommended that to me, and it is right up my alley. I just never got to it. It's really good. It's yeah. you know, three girls, nineteen eighty Stockholm. So they're gonna start a punk band, and only one of them's ever played an instrument before. Yeah. and uh, it's really good. I think they nailed it. Lucas Moodyson, of course, the filmmaker. Um, really nails it it's sweet film charming feels honest with the the girls in it i wonder if wendy's seen this i think she'd really dig it too being a female musician you don't have to be i mean i'm a fucking man who you can't play an instrument to save his life but uh it's it's just a charming film i'd be curious what character you like the most what that says about your personality because the three girls i was in the hedvig camp you know, she's a girl that plays the guitar. She's kind of cool. I love that. But name. not in the way you'd think. She, she comes to the group as an outsider. She's like this Christian girl who can play like acoustic and stuff and does Bible songs. And she was my favorite, but Clara and Bobo are cool. You got to see it, man. I, I, I know you will absolutely love it. It's a very yeah. charming, very sweet film. Yeah, I'm going to check it out. I, I meant, like I said, I meant to. Just another one of those ones that slip through those Sammy cracks. Yeah. Happens. Uh, my number 24 is I Am Divine. Uh, oh, this is a good one. I forgot all about this. Yeah, yeah I consider this for the. Sh- I mean, I think it, you know, I think the actual release date was 2013, but I think you really see it until yeah. 2014. But yeah, I loved it. Uh, again, another very touching document. As the older I get, the more these documentaries about people who really, uh, you know, go for the the things that they believe in, like Divine did, uh, really kind of touch me in ways that you know make me very emotional. And and Divine had a 
very interesting life he did in uh, Glenn, so to speak. Um, but yeah, what a character! One of the most original cinematic people of all time, I would say. Yeah, so absolutely, and just really, yeah, no, for sure, man. Yeah, just a brilliant piece, and yeah, just you know, I, I loved him, so uh, he is missed. Yeah, that's it. Cool. I don't really have much more to say about that. <laughs> cool. Number twenty-five for me is is a film that I don't know if anyone else in our community has even seen. I would love to talk about it with them if they have. You know, always digging deep, looking for the European stuff. Um, this one won the top prize at Venice, which is what the I don't know what, what, what the I can't remember what the prize is called. It's getting late. It's one thirty in the morning, but won the top prize at Venice. Um, it's uh, Gianfranco Rossi's Sacro Gra, which means Saint. The G R A is the name of this. I guess for locals in Rome, it's this eyesore and this this real tax drain of a highway that circles Rome. So it feels like an Agnes Varda kind of documentary. He, what he does, he gets in his camera, and it's it's very um, what's the what's the word uh, unobtrusive. Mm. He used to kind of stay back, and he roams around the the highway for two years, and he kind of just gets to see people in the fringes of society that live right off the highway. Whether it's people in apartment buildings, whether it's gyp, few little gypsies. All sorts of kind of just colorful characters. This fisher, this fisherman and his wife. Just, I really, really dug it, man. Really dug it. Just kind of see these people talk about their lives and without trying to cultivate or to to coax a narrative out of it. Just to see humanity at its kind of you know very sincere. Um, so yeah, high recommend for me. I don't know if anyone else had a chance to see it, but so the song Il Cello in it that ends the film. I really love it playing a lot so yeah sacro gra or sacro gra is what it's called so nice there you go nice very good um my number 25 is borgman i like nice. i like it for all the reasons you said uh didn't really fall on the list uh, to me sometimes these top 30 lists are interchangeable maybe except yeah the top one day 10. it's one thing one <laughs> yeah. day it's another except maybe for the top 10 but really the silvers and the bronzes are just a matter of how much i love one over the other uh, at the moment when I made the list. Um, but yeah, Borgman's great. Uh, unique film, unlike any film you'll see, except maybe for Dance of Reality, which I'll mention here again in a minute too. Um, unlike uh, very few films you'll see this year. So I'm still not really sure what the fuck Borgman was about in some ways, but we kind of know because we did a little Wikipedia research while we were talking about it, right? That creature was supposedly about... A kind oh, with of the folklore yeah. creatures sitting on the chest of the woman and things like that. Well, we can certainly look at it as sort of the commentary on the sort of certain um, level of society and their fixation on the creature comforts, or not even the creature comforts, but the material things in life. And you know, yeah, there's a lot being said, and I think there's a lot to kind of interpret. Right, right, right. But yeah, it's very interesting. Very interesting indeed. And uh, yeah unique film to say the least some some of the best imagery of the year nice so this next film for me is i guess technically it would be considered a short film i think it's about 30 minutes long maybe 40 minutes but it really left a mark on me and you had seen it you quite enjoyed it uh it's a 30 for 30 and surprisingly, not the cut of the bag, as much as I loved a lot of the other 30 for 30s, especially the two I watched most recently, this is the only one that made my list. Uh, it's The Opposition. Oh, nice, nice, nice. About Chile. 
Um, and the just, uh, you know, uh, World Cup qualifying match between Chile and the Soviet Union, right as Chile was falling um, and uh, Pinochet was coming into power and it, really harrowing stuff. Um, I think what people have to live through uh, really left a mark on me. So yeah. it was quite good. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. So many, uh, so many 30 for 30s. It's funny you mentioned that because you're 30 for 30. You're 26 with a 30 for 30. My third 26 with a 30 for 30. Oh, no uh, way. Yeah, there's so many. That series, you you rep for it hard. I also rep for it hard. Yeah. There's so many great stories in that uh, series. I know Wendy's gotten into them and some other people, but a lot of them are on instant, man. And there's some really fascinating ones. Yeah. Uh, mine is also a part of the soccer stories. Uh, Oh, I know what you're uh, thinking. That's Hillsboro, a film. Oh that, man, a film that scarred me for life in some ways. After seeing muted images of young people being crushed, I cried really hard watching this man. Yeah, I'm no, not gonna lie. I mean, brutal. I really cried watching it. So brutal, so brutal. Oh, got a pop up there. So brutal, and uh, yeah, this rough man. I I don't have a lot to say. I feel sorry for the people that lost their way. We actually have a member of our group, a Facebook friend who who was there that day and actually took a left instead of taking a right. And he could have been in the middle of all that. Yes. And, um, uh, thankfully he did not. And, uh, yeah, man, it's crazy. It's just, wow. I mean, it, it was a film that really tugged to me. And of course, as a parent now, Oh, it, the one mother, and oh, her son. God. Yeah. Wasn't it awful? Yeah. It was, it was terrible, awful, man. man. And, and that's only part of the story because then you get kind of the corruption and cover up from the, yeah, and that's the bad. The police that's the, and yeah. the government, and it's just nobody oh, wants to man. admit to being wrong. You know what I mean? So this perfect storm of of things that happened to kind of uh, that made this happen, basically. Yeah. yeah, it's a bad deal all the way around. I mean, it really is. The fact that they try to cover it up is is the part that's awful. But it's the, shameful they try to pin yeah. it on the Liverpool fans. And, yeah, this awful that they try to kick it around yeah. and stuff and. I mean, you know, these people, I just, the, the, the most terrible thing, you know, I just, I think to myself, you know, my son goes to watch a game and he never comes back home. I just think of that and I think that is a tragedy unlike anything I can imagine. So yeah, it takes your breath away, man. It's like, you just feel like you're in a free fall. Yeah. This yeah no, that was, I, I, that was when I wrestled with putting on my list because it really, really walloped me and it's done very tastefully mm -hmm. yep. and I loved it. I mean, it's kind of a weird thing to say loved, but not, you know, I, I just, you know, I did you, that. uh, did you like surviving events? I love, I cry a lot in that one too. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. sat beside my wife. I had earphones on and my iPad and she's yeah. like, what's wrong? Are you okay? <laughs> yeah, no, it's an emotional one too, man. And she's watching something really ridiculous like the bachelor. <laughs> and I'm like, so I feel kind of foolish cause she's cool. Like she doesn't mock me or anything, but, no, yeah, yeah. Um, but it was just one of the things she's watching something absurd. Now I'm, I'm fucking crying watching Jimmy <laughs> Valvano. Yeah. Oh, and I love, I love that one. Yeah, that is I good. loved that one, man. It was really good. A great story too. I think just yeah, that, that was normal. That and Hillsboro were the two that I wrestled with. They were right at the back end of my top thirty. Like yeah. I wrestled with putting them on there because mm -hmm. they were so good, man. They are both of them. Um, good. <clears throat> but my number twenty-seven is another South Korean film. Actually, no, it's my only South Korean film on the list. <laughs> I saw some really good South Korean films this year. Um, I think it was a little bit of a down year. They're still in a bit of a re-renaissance. They were kind of down for a few years. They've come back hard the past five years or so. But I wrestled uh, Intruders. was one I really loved. But my favorite Korean film this year, and my number 27 film of the year, is Man on High Heels. Oh, nice. So this film's really cool. It's kind of got an interesting setup. I'm going to just read you the synopsis. From people's eyes, he seems to, he seems like a sadistic cop who gives no mercy to his enemy. 
But deep inside his heart, Ji-Wook hides his desire to become a woman. <clears throat> so you could think, man, this, this, this is some, some fine footing they got to walk if they're going to pull this one off. Uh, but they do. And the, the central performance from Seung Wan Cha is one of my favorite performances by a man this year. Um, it, I think some people griped about the way they kind of went from A to B as far as how he got to where he felt like he was transgendered. And, but I, I think I love that we're in an age where we can see stories uh, of people with different experiences and they don't need to be colored one way or the other. Um, and he can be very... Uh, very assertive and, and powerful and still have a desire to be a woman and you know some great fight sequences I mean it works as an action film it works as, as a, a thinking man's action film um, and like I said the lead performance he was cast perfectly and he pulls off the performance perfectly so I mean some of the stuff that kind of at the back end gets a bit circuitous and kind of um, conveniently plotted but it's still a very very good film nice nice um, my number was it 21 to 2 3 27? 27, yeah. yeah. As the Palaces Burn, this is the documentary about the <clears throat> manslaughter trial that uh, the lead singer, Lamb of God, um, he was involved in. Uh-huh. And uh, it's on Hulu Plus for those who want to check it out. Um, but, yeah, it's it's really good stuff. I, I highly recommend people check it out. Uh, even if you're not into their music, it's more of a human story about, uh, you know, and an individual that, you know, got on stage and jumped off stage and they think that maybe he got pushed off stage and, you know, hit his head and passed away the next day. But, you know, it, it's kind of up in the air as to what happened. And if bands should be held responsible for that kind of thing, I mean, it's debatable because, well, first of all, I don't even think any, the individual involved in this one even did anything to that person. But anyway, um, either way, definitely check it out. It's good. Uh, like I said, most people won't dig the music that much, except the fans of the fans, but the fans of the band, not the fans of the fans. But, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I recommend band it. Band of the hand. I recommend it. Nice. Yeah, I know um, Paul Hughes had watched this as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He dug it as well, I believe. Yeah. My number 28 is a film that I had just been desperate to see. I couldn't get my grubby hands on anywhere. I saw it on the plane coming back from L.A., and it's amazing. It's got an unfortunate title because it's the same title as a really sappy uh, Hollywood Nicholas Sparks adaptation. It's The Notebook from oh, Hungary. Yes. Yes. This film's fantastic. Uh, twin siblings, this feels a bit like if you like Come and See and you like Haneke, I think you kind of dig this. It's uh, two twin siblings enduring the harshness of World War II in a village on the Hungarian border, hedge their survival on studying and learning from the evil surrounding them. Really good, really well shot, has a bit of a fable or a fairy tale feel to it. Um, I really enjoyed it, and I can't wait for more people to see it because it's a tremendous piece of film. Nice, nice. Um, yeah, I want to see that one for sure. You'll Number dig it, man. 20, what are we on now? 28. Eight? Oh, man. Really getting down to it now. The number 28 is Alejandrito. Nice. <laughs> the pee-pee. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, Jodorowsky's uh, Dance of Reality. Uh, exceptional film. Um, I thought about putting it higher. Um, I couldn't give you a reason why I didn't, but I will say that it's, it's brilliant. and it's It's just so beautiful to look at. And it tells a great story. I really like the way that Alejandro's kind of been able to tell sort of his life story in his way. 
Yes. Uh, not very many people ever get to do something like that. So it's very interesting that, you know, and a filmmaker gets to do it. So awesome stuff, man. I don't really have much more to add. Will's already said so much about it, but definitely check it out. Oh, yeah. Own it, as a matter of fact. Don't Own it. Know. We do. You should. Um, okay, so number 29, you've already mentioned it was in your top five. No, top 10. Top 10. Uh, it's Bennett Miller's Foxcatcher. Nice. So, yeah, outstanding piece of film. I think, it, again, it just says so much. It doesn't even need to bang you over the head. And Yeah, people need to see it. If they haven't, um, and if you have, then hopefully you dig it. So Yeah, good stuff. Uh, 29 for me is All This Mayhem, another skate documentary. Oh, I didn't get to see this, unfortunately. Yeah, it's on Netflix Instant now, so you can definitely check it out. Um, I'm adding it right now. Yeah. Good stuff, man. About a couple brothers come over. They're going to try to change the world. Australian, right? Yep. Uh, things don't go as quite as planned, which, you know, happens, uh, and some, some of the tragic events. So yeah, definitely worth a look. It's a good story about some guys that, you know, you know, just, well, they, they made some bad choices. <laughs> yeah. Netflix thinks I'll give this four and a half stars. It's a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes and 86% on Flickster, 8.2 on IMDb. Yeah. I think, I think you're probably... I think it's pretty accurate. Nice. I think you'll be pretty okay. happy with it. So this is number 30, right? The Dirty 30. Dirty 30. Yeah, so this is a film that I've already talked about the lead in this. Um, this film got a lot of, uh, I think it got a few nominations at the Oscars, but it. I think it got snubbed. and I think that the director got shafted and, being a female director and a female director of color, I feel like um, it's a shame that she did kind of get shafted. And uh, I'm talking about uh, Eva DuVernay's Selma. So, yes, yes. Yeah, what a film. Uh, David Oyelowo, you know, tr- playing Martin Luther King. I mean, how, like, what kind of shoes is he stepping into to play that role? Tricky ones. I mean, really. <laughs> yeah. You know, but he does it, man. He nails it. Uh, Carmen Ajogo playing his wife. She's amazing. And she's a fucking beautiful woman. Beautiful. And it's interesting, again, Martin Luther King Jr. and his wife in the film are both played by British actors. Yeah. Um, everyone that's in the film, I think it's fascinating to see the film. Some people may be just thinking, ah, oh, it's Oscar bait. I think it's important, an important film. Even in this day and age, it's very timely. Um, and you get to see, and you know who's great in the film, puts in a little good little performance is Giovanni Ribisi. That's Lee White, nice. advisor he's kinda, to Lyndon Johnson. He's kind of disappeared lately. Yeah, he's good in it. And Tom Wilkinson's good as Lyndon Johnson. Um, there's a lot of good performances in this film. And I, you get to see it, – it shows a side of Martin Luther King Jr. above and beyond just I have a dream. You get to see the day-to-day life. You get to see the people that helped get him where he was or helped to – were there with him. And um, I think Emily had said it too that a quick glance it looks like Oscar bait, but it's – it may be things that the Academy is looking for, um, but it's really well done and really well acted. And I think it's a very important film, certainly. It, I, again, it had me in tears to see, to think that if my parents were the age of some of the kids in this, they'd be getting beaten. Mm. They wouldn't be allowed to sit at the, 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 the diner uh, and eat. They, they wouldn't, I mean, just on and on, just the indignity the inhumanity the cruelty that uh african americans had to endure at this time boggles the mind i mean this is 20 years out from us being born 15 years out from us being born boggles the mind 
crazy. Crazy stuff. Uh, yeah, so that's all 30 films for you, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's it. Well, my last one is Last Days in Vietnam. This is... Uh, oh, I wanted to see this. I never got to. Yeah, it's a really good film, man. It's a high recommend for me. It's about this kind of uh, escape from Vietnam for the last days of uh, the kind of America kind of getting out. And um, it's at the embassy, and it gets pretty heated and pretty crazy. But there's actually some pretty admirable stuff done by some folks there. So, yeah, it's worth a watch for sure. And I think there's some stuff in there that people might not know about uh, Vietnam. So I definitely uh, recommend people check it out. I'm a bit of a used to be a bit of a buff back in the day. Nice, yeah, I know. I like the Vietnam stuff too. It's uh, you know uh, that was when I heard some really good things. But I want to see. So I got distracted. I was adding all this mayhem, and then I see a film called Eating Out. All You Can Eat, directed by uh, the appropriately titled Glenn Gaylord. Nice. To attract the hunky Zach, Casey uses a photo of his friend's ex-boyfriend, Ryan, for his online profile. Sweet. Good idea. Till Ryan appears in the flesh. Yeah. Got a cool cool 17% on Rotten Tomatoes. Not that that's any sort of real barometer, but, you know, if it's universally panned, it's usually... Yeah. Yeah. Not going to be all that shit hot. Anyway... Yeah. Do you have any honorable mentions you want to quickly mention? Um, let's see. I might have a couple. Unless you um, want me to go first while you compile them. No, I don't really have a compile. I had some ones I scratched out. So like I said, there were some that were just didn't make it because of the thing. I'll say I like Milius quite a bit. Uh, I actually like Danny Boyle's Trance quite a bit. Didn't quite make the list. Rewind This, which is a VHS uh, documentary. That was really good. The Summit. Uh, climbing uh, Mount Everest, I believe it is, or K2. I can't remember which one it was. Banksy Does New York. That's one I'd recommend. Rich Hill, which is on Netflix Instant now. That's a good one. Definitely check it out. Stretch, I thought was one of the most fun films I watched this year. Burt's Buzz, actually, would have probably made the list. I wanted to see that. The Dog may have uh, made the list. That's the story of the real story behind the Dog Day Afternoon guy. That's the documentary. And um, I think that might be... Some of it, I mean, ones that I would really mention, that would probably be it. Yeah, that would be it. Those are the ones I would really say people check out. Yeah, I'm going to run through these super quick because I have about 35 films that I loved that I didn't get to mention on my list. Some of which were on your list. Joe, Guardians of the Galaxy, Snowpiercer, Black Souls, Oculus, which is my favorite horror film this year. I really dug Oculus. Uh, Intruders, Nymphomaniac. Nymphomaniac has maybe my favorite female performance this year. The first one or the second one? Well, well the first, I, I kind of consider them as one. Okay. Right? But the first one's definitely better than the second one. Oh, you think so? I like the second one better than the first one. Did you? Yeah. I thought Charlotte Gainsbourg was tremendous. Um, it's a shame, man. You know, people talk about great actresses. She doesn't get mentioned, and she should. Yeah. She is a fearless actress. She really and, is. Oh, man. <laughs> and I'll tell you something. That film, those are on instant, by the way. Um, I think that... And I don't want to, didn't want to stick on anything too long here, but I just want to get this off my chest. I feel like um, Lars von Trier has the the skill to be one of the top three or four filmmakers working in the world, but his own anger and hangups and things from his past that come in his films sometimes, I think trip him up from yeah. realizing that potential at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 he becomes a slave to some of the. The, the ripple effects emotionally and psychologically from his past. Yeah. Like the stuff with his mother and yeah. some of the revelations that were made on her deathbed and stuff like that. Because yeah. this film, it looks amazing. And, you know, 
Scarlet Scarlet's great. Anyway, it, it's a really good film. I would recommend people check that out too. That would be a different. I mean, I like both of them as well. Yeah, no, and the second one was good. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. It was good. I could see where it go either way. Uh, either way you look Jamie at Jamie Bell was really good too, I thought. Yeah, he was good. Uh, there was somebody else in that I liked quite a bit. I can't remember who it was. Poor Shia, though. He was really struggling with that accent. <laughs> he was. I thought he was fine other than the accent, though. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, the acting, he was fine. He was fine. I was good in it. Mm-hmm. Um, in Bloom, about two young girls in Rome, maybe not Romania. I can't remember where it was. Kind of fun discovering that they're attractive to the opposite sex. Really good stuff. Varunga, Policeman, an Israeli film. Omar, a Palestinian film. Uh, Whiplash, Two Days, One Night. Tangerines, Birdman. Surprise, surprise. They didn't make either one of our lists. Yeah, it's amazing, ain't it? Yeah, you would have thought going into the year. Keaton slam dunk for us. I, I, did, I, I, I well, I did really like it. I did like. So did it. I. Yeah, so honorable mention. Didn't make my list. That's all. Miss Violence, Greek kind of domestic horror. I really uh, like Fury too. I should say that, but it didn't make my list either. Fury was good. It would probably be like honorable honorable mentions for me. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I agree Girls. with you. The last act, I don't really love, but uh, yeah, everything else I love. Uh, Hillsborough Survive in Advance, Child's Pose, nice. which is on Instant. Two Door Nicole, which is a French film, Quebecois films, just slay. Uh, Vic and Flo, See a Bear, Quebecois film, amazing. Strange Colors of Your Body's Tears. I like it, but it's too long. It feels like a really cool art installation more than a film, but it's quite good. Winter I saw, Sleep, I saw the gonna... sequel to Two Door Nicole, Back Door Nicole. So... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should go back and watch the prequel, huh? Yeah, that's right, man. Winter Sleep, three and a half hour Turkish film. Ceylon, the filmmaker, has a knack for dialogue, unlike most filmmakers in the world. Human Capital, really good Italian film, adapted from an American novel. Uh, Why Don't You Play in Hell, Blue Ruin, Enemy, Ida, The Guest, Nightcrawler, 71, Witching and Bitching. Maybe the most fun I had with a horror film this year. Nice. It's really fucking fun. It's on instant. Yeah, I've been meaning to watch it. I thought about cramming it, but I just didn't get around to it. Not quite cram worthy. It's it's all I mentioned. Homesman, I'm surprised you didn't get a chance to see it. I was really curious to see what you think of the Homesman. I did watch about twenty minutes of the Homesman and never got back to it, sadly. It's good. It's good. Uh Calvary, uh good. Uh the attorney with Bong with Bong Jun Ho. With Song Kang Ho. Not one for courtroom dramas, but he nails it. He really crushes it, his courtroom scenes. And one that I was I really was pleasantly surprised with. I quite liked, and again, the patents thin. Maps to the stars, man. Nice, nice. Yeah, I've been, I've, I told you I was going to try to cram that one as well, but I didn't get around to it. I liked it, man. Uh, and then very quickly, I just want to say favorite male performances this year. Ray Fiennes, Oscar Isaac, Jack O'Connell, Koji Yakusho, Cha Sung Wan in Man in High Heels, Steve Carell and Ruffalo and um, Channing. Brendan Gleeson in Calvary, even though the film I thought was good, not great. His performance was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. He's great. Uh, who's that? I don't know what that name says now. Uh, Lola Duenas, uh, Maria Lungu, The Girls of We Are Best, Charlotte Gainsbourg, uh, Luminata Gersu, and Malika Monroe from The Guest, the teenage daughter. I really liked her in the film. Nice. Anyway, yeah, it's a great year for film as always. Um, what more can we say? I mean, yeah. until next year, really, it's, you know, here we are. 2014. Time to, wa- time to watch some fucking junk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it reminds me, are we doing Diabolic? Are we doing, uh, which one are we, we doing? We are. Yeah, that's right. We're doing Diabolic next week. So. Yeah, Diabolic. Yeah, my turn to pick. Yeah, let's tell everybody what you're picking. Yeah, so finally, a film that we've all been crying out for on Blue for some time. It hit Blue a few months back. Uh, we're going to cover Mario Bava's Planet of the Vampires. Nice. 
and a film that I'm a big fan of. I think you said you'd never seen. But, never seen uh, you it. Know, nope. I've never seen it. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think it'll be interesting to talk about because it kind of uh, some nuanced kind of stuff. It's you know complex look at a complex situation. It's Short Eyes, prison drama from the I think late seventies, early eighties. So been wanting to watch it since uh, Silver and Gold covered it, and then you yeah, picked right. it, so that worked out good for me. Yeah, so there you go. That's going to be um, diabolic next week. Sorry, it's almost two in the morning. We've been uh, yeah, we've been <laughs> we've been going know, for a while here, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, we have. Oh, I'm very tired, and <laughs> I got a shitty day at work ahead of me, and I'm not looking forward to it. Uh, anyway, thank you so much for listening to the GGTMC. Thank you so much for uh, listen. If you've listened to us for all these years, great. Uh, we love you, and thanks so much. If not, then great. Welcome aboard. <laughs> Thanks to everyone for playing along, too. Yeah, we, we do our top 30 at an odd time. But really, it's almost kind of a statement to say, you know, come on, get these films out for people to see. Um, people want to see movies. And, you know, I, it's unfortunate for people in smaller towns like me. And even less, there's people want to listen to our shoulder, even in smaller towns than I am. Mm-hmm. that have a harder time watching movies. I mean, there's, uh, even up there where you're at, like, uh, uh, that one guy Christian up there was telling me there's not even a video store remotely near him. Yeah, which is sad. Much less a good one. There's no, you know, he's in the middle of Canada. So, what are you gonna do, man? So it's, it's a weird world, weird, weird world. Anyway, uh, let's get let's get off topic. We just want to thank you so much for listening to the show. Hope you uh, keep listening to the show, keep uh, learning and growing and saying catch words with us like thereby and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> and keep looking under every rock that you have at your disposal for films um netflix buy films go see films get to film festivals go to your library look for films there's we're in a wonderful time to see film and and there's never a better time than now to get out there and see film from the world over and as much as the cram can get grueling and tiresome at the end a little bit i always look forward to it because there's so many stones that that we turn over so many films that at the beginning when i thought about cram i wouldn't have even known to cram I feel all the better for having seen. Yes, indeed. So, you know, stuff like Wetlands for you or um, uh, The Wonders for me, both sort of girls coming of age in very different ways, um, maybe. But um, just get out there and see as much film as you can. You know, it's, it's our favorite art form and, and uh, we love it. And, and, you know, there's a lot to be had uh, in every way from it. Yes, just do it. All right, and who knows what the intro for next year's show will be like? Because it gets <laughs> it gets tougher and tougher every year. <laughs> I bet it does. Um, but hopefully, you enjoyed this one. Um, it was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's just two random ideas that came to me out of nowhere. <laughs> one of them because my son has been singing "We Will Rock You" lately, and the other one because of uh, uh, I'd seen uh, that scene from Fast Times at Ridgemont High recently. That's somebody amazing. somebody was showing it on some TV show or something. And I was like, uh, yeah, I love that scene. Now, of course, we all do. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah. Um, okay, so that is the big show, man. Next week, Diabolic DVD, Short House Planet of the Vampires. We hope you all have a good week, and we will see you next week, starting with our new year in the middle of March <laughs> of film watching. All right. Adios. Adios. Thanks for listening. You can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com and you can email the gentleman at midnightcinema at gmail.com. 